Hey guys, Dylan here. Um, I'm on a break this week. The podcast is on a break this week. Um, I'm on vacation. I didn't do any type of interviews for the past week. Um, so I'm filming this before the 4th of July. So the day before the 4th of July. Because uh, I knew this week was going to be a vacation week for me. So we got best of part 1, 2022. So here's what I did. So I went in and I got four... Starting starting from January to around the middle of March, I got four of the biggest streamed episodes on the podcast, and they're here. It's it's well over three hours long. So we've got Jason Marsden from January twenty first. We got Dustin Collins from February fourteenth. We've got Dano from Dano Seasoning um, on March seventh, and we've got Colby Cooper uh, from March fourteenth. So it's all right here for you guys. Next week we're going to be back fresh and going back at it with another new episode. And later on in the year we're going to do part two uh, and possibly a part three later, later on in the year. Because I'm planning on taking a couple, two or three little breaks here and there for the podcast and for mental health. So without further ado, here is the best of 2022 part one. Oh, you're cool. <laughs> you're good. It's like... It's not like I forgot. I just didn't write it down. I thought I wrote it down. I, th- I think I had another thing scheduled for today that got canceled, and I thought it was the same thing. But here I am. There you are. How you doing, bud? Good. How are you doing? Good, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me again. After a, after my a little while. pleasure. So I wanted to get you yes. back on because you are one of the you're the second biggest podcast episode of the entire podcast and the entire four years that we've done this you've had i think you've had like almost a hundred and something thousand streams on the podcast and then like almost really? thirty thousand on youtube so there you go and and who's number one number one is a girl named heather shaw she is a comedian and she is like she blew up on tiktok because she looks identical to jim carrey Oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. I've seen her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. All right. I allow it. I'll allow it. <laughs> but yeah, but pre- again, thanks for doing this for me. But it's, uh, we've been working on this for a while. Um, and I'm glad we finally got you back on it for a couple of years. So, yeah, same, same, same. I go through periods of like, ah, I don't want to talk to anybody. And then, uh, and then there's times I'm like, well, I should talk to people if I want people to watch, you know, the variety show and stuff like that. Uh, or if I just am needy for attention. I go through the same thing. I'm like, man, I really don't want to do a podcast today, but I have to, it doesn't help pay the bills, but at least it's, it's a journey there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So what's going on with you since I last saw you, Dylan, how was your, uh, how was your holiday and new year? Man, holiday was good. Um, new year was good. Everything, everything was up to par, but I've just, I've just been, uh, grinding it out. Struggling and grinding. Dig it. Isn't that the journey? Dig it, dig it. Yes, always. <laughs> Man, uh, so what you're here for is Mars Variety Show, season three. All six episodes are available right now on YouTube. Yes, they are. And you it's, got it. They are bingeable. It's Mars Presents. That's the channel on uh, on YouTube, right? Correct. At Mars or YouTube.com slash Mars Presents. Okay. And that's where you go to see uh, all the Mars Variety shenanigans. So what makes this season different than the last two seasons? Like what, what I mean that is 
I'm not asking how is it different. I'm asking what did you learn from the past two seasons that you incorporated into this season? Oh, good question. Um, yeah, well, on a technical aspect, I learned uh, about audio. <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, embarrassingly um, uh, messed up. The, I don't know anything about audio. I know a little bit about video. I'm really great at, at video editing. I don't know anything about audio sweetening or mixing. So this one band from the second season, my Halloween episode actually, mm -hmm. sent me their, their video. They worked really hard on it. I cut it together. And when it was released, they sent me a message being like, that doesn't sound anything like what we sent to you. In my ear, I'm like, sounds good to me. What are you talking about? Like, no, we worked really hard on this. I'm like, okay, well, I'll try to figure it out. I couldn't figure it out until months later. And, uh, and on, I cut with, I edit with Final Cut Pro and okay. sometimes it will automatically, it'll give you like a yellow exclamation point in a triangle saying like, something's up with this, this audio file. If you press this sure. button, we'll fix it. So pressing that button, turning it to a nice green color, um, affected the audio negatively. Um, mm. whereas I should have just left it alone. Uh, so it, that was a, that was a learning curve for sure. Dude, for sure, those, for sure. audio is terrible because I will not, I think there's like six, my first like 40 or something episodes. There's like, I would not go back and listen because they're just, it's so terrible because, it, because it's like, we're not the one, I mean, I'm not, I mean, you may have people that could do it for you if you wanted to, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm like so independent. Like I do it myself. I don't have a backing. I don't have anything like that. So it was like, people like my stuff sounds terrible. And I'm like, I apologize. It's not, I'm doing the best I can. And now I'm like, you know what? Come back on. I know exactly what I'm doing now. Uh, let right. me give you justice and service. So, I mean, it's, it's a learning curve and you just keep learning every time. I can't imagine. Uh, I don't do, you know, scripted YouTube like you do or shows. I just put these up just like these are, and mm -hmm. I just throw them on YouTube. Um, so, I, I mean, I can only imagine the YouTube headache that is, especially the video part. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's tricky, a little overwhelming. Uh, it, it's it, you know, once you figure it out, it, then it's easy moving forward. But 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 it's embarrassing when you're producing a show to to build up and showcase musicians, right. and and the music doesn't sound good. <laughs> it's like the, then musicians are not going to want to be on my show if I'm not if I'm not designing it, if I'm not presenting in a way that they deserve. So that was, it was embarrassing. I ate some humble pie yeah. uh, with that one. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I'm making sure moving forward that that never happens again, because that's, that's, it's what the show is all about, you know? Well, let me tell you, I would, I was so naive into what I was doing that, you know, phone quality is terrible anyways. Like if you have people talking on the phone, you don't have a connector yeah, yeah. To, to play with the computer so you're just holding it up to a microphone the entire 45 minutes or whatever and then you then you have them sing a song with a guitar and uh, then it's just it was like hey bro this sounds good to me and people are like dude this shit sounds terrible i don't know what you're doing <laughs> i i i will often not argue but i'll i'll, I'll converse with with a few of my musician friends who I've, I've gone to to studios to listen to them record and listen to them scrutinize over things that I'm like, I don't hear what you hear. It uh -huh. sounds great to me. I think you're like nitpicking over stuff that, that the layman, like the, the, the general audience who I represent, uh, 
just won't pick up. They won't, we won't appreciate these little affectations or these dynamics that you're throwing in. Uh, it's, it's completely different language to me, but that's not saying that, you know, they shouldn't not do that. You know, they, they can't, I can't negate the work that they're, that they're putting into it to make it sound that's good enough for them. And, and, you know, and, and then I hear stuff compared side by side. I'm like, oh yeah, well, there is definitely a quality difference. And, and, you know, let's try to keep it a 10 instead of a five from now on, you know? It's just something about musicians' ears that like you're, for example, you're an art or you're an actor. Your ear is not the same as a musician's ear. You, like, yeah, like yeah. A, a musician could sit down with you and you could watch a movie and you'd be like, there's 10 other ways he could have done this differently or did it another way. Yes. And them guys are like, to me, it's perfect. But then same thing with you. You sit down in the studio and you're like, well, that was great. No, it wasn't. It was a little pitchy. I think I could do three more takes and maybe get it right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You in you're in Nashville, right? That we're Correct. located now. How yes. are you dealing with the snow? Because I don't think Nashville's had that much snow in a very long time. Well, every year um, uh, we get we get a good amount of snow. Not as much as see when I first visited here, like uh -huh. 2002. I mean, it was like East Coast. It was like like everywhere. Um, lately, it seems to be less and less. But then, like like we'll get it. Like we got it last Thursday. It was like six inches of snow. Um, I was so bummed because I actually wasn't in town. I wanted to play in it. Uh, and then when I got back on Monday, it was gone. Like, th like there's no snow out here right now. We're supposed to get some more. Um, but it, it lasts for like a couple days, then it goes away. The, the, the biggest problem is that there's no infrastructure to take care of snow while we're here. So like schools shut down, businesses shut down, like people go crazy because they, and they, and they, they don't know how to drive in it. So you definitely want to stay home when it's snowing, which is what I like to do anyway. Uh, but uh, other than that, I find it, I find the snow extremely nostalgic because I grew up in Rhode Island. I grew up around blizzards and stuff like that. So it takes me to a warm, fuzzy place. I love it. You know, the last time Where we talked, you again? I'm in Mississippi, so we haven't gotten yeah. anything. Well, I don't know. I was watching the news this morning and like I saw Nashville was about to get hounded again, probably this weekend. And then can't wait bring it you're gonna be home bring it i'm gonna be home this time i'm gonna take my snowboard and i'm gonna go down one of the main streets in my neighborhood <laughs> there's a now, street that's like super in deep incline and that'll be me busting my ass on my snowboard is snowboarding like like is snowboarding kind of the efficient to surfing in hawaii as it is in like rhode island <laughs> probably i've never been surfing but uh but uh in rhode island we don't have hills to do okay. snowboarding that, that's just, that's just something i would do uh uh when i lived in la we we have we have mountains in la that that right. get snow seasonally so i would do that there but yeah they they said that here in mississippi we we may get like i don't know half an inch of snow but my luck it's not going to be snow it's going to be that that damn rain that just turns to ice and you fall every time you step outside and stuff like that. oh yeah that's even worse <laughs> black ice oh my gosh black eyes yeah man the last time we talked i think it was right before the world closed down like it was it was like right before the world because it was like february maybe and the world closed down what march or april so yeah kind of yeah, yeah quickly what did you do between those times where the world closed down to i don't know when it opened up sometime last year you know, what's funny is that, uh, and I joke with my other actor friends about this, but like nothing really changed 
for me, like I, I'm as an actor, a full-time actor, you're home a lot anyway. You're home to wait for auditions. Um, uh, e even before, I mean, even on-camera auditions, you're doing remotely. So my lifestyle didn't really change that much, uh, you know, except for, of course, for, you know, travel. You know, I wasn't uh, traveling, doing appearances. Um, I was restrictive as opposed to like seeing friends and going to see live music, which I love to do all the time. My social game really really went down. Uh, professionally, uh, I started booking more voiceover, which was great because uh, I, I had actually, I had actually kind of lost work moving to Nashville thinking, well, Nashville, we have plenty of recording studios here. We have plenty of professional recording studios. I'm sure that, you know, studio people in LA would, would book me for cartoons and video games if I had a great place to record, but that wasn't the case. I was still expected to commute to Los Angeles for work and, and it was exhausting. It was time consuming. It was, it was out of my own expense. It wasn't worth it. So I chose to stay put and I lost a lot of work. But then during the pandemic, my, my agents like, who's got home studios? Cause no one wanted to shut down. Hollywood didn't want to shut down. Uh, so I literally threw a, a, a closet together and made a sound booth. And I actually worked, I've been working, uh, uh, since then, I actually did uh, all of my Young Justice episodes in my closet. <laughs> so the new season that's out, um, just know all, all, all those actors are recorded in, in a closet, uh, under a, a chair somewhere. Uh, but the, those, ma those magician engineers made it sound uh, fantastic. Now, now, do you play a major role in the Young Justice or is it like just small parts here and there? Um, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say too much. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. I, mean, I, I can, I can at least. I mean, I don't think this is a this is a secret. But I, I mean, I played uh, Bart Allen, uh, Impulse. Uh, then he morphed into Kid Flash. Um, so that character does make an appearance. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know about that. So I was like, oh, I don't know if he can say anything, but might as well f it, you know. <laughs> yeah. So we're closed down. Here is the weird thing: is you've got you got COVID. I don't know how long ago, but my family also, my family also got COVID around last July. And how sick did you get with it? I didn't get that sick. Uh, okay. Like I didn't have, uh, a lot of my friends were complaining about body aches and, and headaches and sore throat and bad cough. Thankfully, I didn't get any of, of that, and I, um, I'll, I will contribute it to my my personal immunity. I know I have I've I'm pretty good uh, uh, with my own immunity, and I did get vaccinated. Uh, so the 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 problems for me was uh, did lose a smell and taste, which was bizarre, and and like extreme head fog. Like I felt like like stupid. Like I was stupid for like two days. I remember like texting my girlfriend, taking like a half an hour, trying to figure out how to like spell a word, how to, am I saying this right? And then, um, and then having trouble sleeping. And then, and then the worst for me was like a day of just like absolute depression, just like lethargic, really feeling in a bad, in just in a bad place mentally. That's about it. I, it's funny I, because I'm down in like Southern Mississippi. So it's like, as uh republican as you can get but i'm like so liberal as shit that it's not even funny like <laughs> i was yeah. a lab rat as soon as they were like okay people go get vaccinated i was like i pulled up at like six o'clock in the morning up, i was yeah. like i was like shoot me up what are you gonna do 
track me. I got a cell phone right here. You're tracking me on anyway. So fuck it. So I yeah. got, and then it was like, I got, I got, I got the second shot, the second dose. Uh, and then like the next week, my family got sick and they were mm-hmm. all, you know, we don't believe in it. Yada, yada. And <clears throat> I'm here, I'm stuck. They're sick. I'm here having to take care of them. Jason, you're not going to believe uh, me. I got just a head cold. Like I had this, like, yeah. like when you, you know, when you go to bed, but like you take a shower and your hair's still a little bit wet, you wake up next morning and you're, you know, stuffy, you got dry heave and stuff like yeah. that. That's all, that's all I got. And that's then it, yeah. now, thankfully, they're like, okay, we're going to go get vaccinated. Like my mom and sister flew back. And I'm like, I hate that it had to come to this, but you had to get sick in order to believe me. <laughs> and when they got sick, it was worse than that. Is that what you're saying? Oh, their man, symptoms they, were worse. Dude, dude, they were for two weeks. They were in like serious condition. Like if I didn't make my dad get up and be like, hey, bro, if you're going to have to go outside and take a walk for a little bit. He would have been in the one in the ICU. Like him and my wow. sister lost like 40 pounds each. Just just and, and it was wow. It was I have never seen anybody that sick. And like my my nephews and my brother lives right down the road. I couldn't go do it. Like I was stuck here at the house 14 for 14 days doing going out of my mind. And it was all, you know, I was always like, you know, I never have enough time to watch TV. Let's catch up on the shows three days in. I was like, I've had enough damn TV. I can't take it anymore. I've watched it all. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's it. I'm sorry. They had to learn the hard way, but you know, it's, I I try not to be uh, combative with our fellow human beings, because there is so much disinformation um, and conflicting information and people are going to glom onto what is convenient for them. And yes, mm. there are people who have gotten it, who haven't been vaccinated and it just feels like the flu, but yes, there are people who have gotten, who aren't vaccinated, who are dead, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, 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 I don't want like, so for in my mind, and, and this is and I'm not, I'm, this is not like a, a, a PSA. This is just my experience. And because I'm not, I don't want to make anyone do anything that, you know, I'm not forcing them to do anything. But but I assessed my situation, I have good immunity, I have always had uh, a good relationship with vaccinations. I've been vaccinated most of my young life, I had severe allergies as a kid, I was getting vaccinated weekly, I'll never forget. Um, so I'm used to getting shots. I knew I would hand, I, I was confident I'd be able to handle it. I'm in my late forties. I don't like getting sick. I would rather be on the, on the side of caution. I absolutely don't think they're tracking us. That is so weird that people think that. And you're right with the, with the cell phone. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> and don't you have that, a social that was security, my- you have a social security card you keep in your pocket that supposedly everywhere you give it out every time you go to the doctor. I mean, getting tracked yes. track with what fluid like what are they what are they putting in your body that tracking yeah like this? and hey and hey where are you guys going that you don't want people to know about you know what are you worried about right. you know <laughs> if they were tracking me i hope they're having a good time because it's going to be it's it's mostly going to be pretty boring <laughs> right but i brought all that up i didn't want to bring all that up and people turn us off but i brought no, it up sure sure i wanted to know i got the booster myself uh three weeks ago maybe and then they were like, you know, you may get sick. I didn't get sick with any of the vaccines that I got. The two that you were supposed to get, I didn't get sick. Let me tell mm-hmm. you, the next day after my booster, I couldn't get out of my bed. It was like I had the oh, flu yeah, from my sh- – yeah. I was like for, – for a good eight hours, 
And then finally I was like, yeah. you know what? I'm good. And then I woke up, I was like, if that's what that's like, I don't want that at all for 14 days. Yeah, no sure. way. Sure, sure, sure. No, goodness. Good for you. Uh, I'm sorry that, 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 uh, no, you had that effect. <laughs> I, my booster was not, nothing. It was a walk in really? the park. Sore arm the next day. That was it. Well, look, man, uh, last time we were on here, I went back and I listened and I always ask my guests this just in case they come back. And I asked you the question is, you know, what are some things that you would want to talk about that you never talk about on any show? Nobody asked you. And no. you told me a couple of things. What I said. You okay. said, I forget. And I had, and I have it written down. You said that you made the movie white squall in Malta. Yeah. Let's let's talk about that. That's with Jeff Bridges yeah. and a couple of other yeah, other yeah. actors. What what was that? Because I was in Europe. Have you ever been to Europe before then or after that? Or was that just like the first time? I, I had I had done a movie when I was I booked a movie when I was twelve called Robot Jocks, and we, we shot in in Italy. Um, I was only there for like five days. I was too young to appreciate it. But but White Squall was the first time. I was twenty years old. It was the first time um, uh, out of the country for that long uh, from my family and home. I was, we were gone for like three months. We were in, uh, we were in three islands in the Caribbean, we went to Bermuda, went to South Africa, went to Malta, England. Uh, and it was, it was one of the most formative experiences of my life and career for sure. Yeah. So when they tell you, okay, sure. You've got the, you're booked. We've got you here. And you have to go to all these different countries. What are you thinking? Like 20 years old, I'm pretty sure there's a part of you that's like, wow, a lot of people would love to travel the world when they're 60. And now I'm doing it at 20. Yeah, yeah. But there's also got to be a part of you where you're like, damn, I got to go for three months everywhere. And what if something happens when I'm not home? You know, what, what if this, there's got to be all these kind of connotations to it. No, I never approach anything like that, man. I mean, like maybe it's, maybe it's just ignorance, but I always approach things with excitement and awe. Like I was, I was, I was stoked. Uh, I, I, it, it was a Ridley Scott movie. I get to work with Ridley Scott, Jeff Bridges. We're, we're, we're shooting on a sailing ship, like a real sailing ship out in the middle of the ocean. Like I was excited for all these things. Um, I couldn't wait to go. Um, uh, yeah, and, and it, it exceeded my expectations in so many different ways. I actually have, excuse me, six hours of home video footage that I, I have been compiling into, I'm going to release them as like mini documentaries, like a mini essay for my experience shooting. That. I'm going to put on my personal YouTube channel. I'm just in the middle of, of editing them. Um, but I have tremendous memories from, from that experience. I mean, like, like I said, 20 years old, I, I, I never went to college. So this is the closest thing to a college experience. I could say like traveling abroad, working with a bunch of other guys, my age, um, I learned a lot about myself as a human being and as an actor. Oh man, I learned a lot as an actor uh, during that during that movie for sure, for sure. When so Wrigley Scott, tell me about Wrigley Scott. I've heard a lot of stories about that guy. He sounds like a cool person, but he also has to be probably very intimidating, I would imagine, because one of the biggest filmmakers in the world. Um, I wouldn't say not for me intimidating. Uh, but he, he was definitely cool. Like the dude, okay. I mean, cool as a cucumber. I mean, like he is, he knows exactly what he wants. He's got a tremendous team with him. Like everyone, again, looking back at these videos, I'm like, 
dude, all that, like the ADs, the production designers, like everyone, <laughs> like they, like they, they were like, they were so perfect. I mean, shooting a movie, like, you know, the Mars variety show, I mean, it's an, it's an undertaking on its own. I can't imagine doing a movie on a sailing ship in the middle of the, of the ocean. And then, and then there's a sequence where the ship, you know, it sinks, it gets, it gets uh, hit with a, a squall. And so we do that, and that's what we did in Malta. Oh man, I, I've got to tell you about Malta, but because Malta is where we shot the storm sequence when they built a replica of the ship on a gimbal in this in this big pond, this big a tank, and so we could like sink the ship. They could sink the ship any as many times as they wanted, and they had wind machines and wave machines, uh, and you couldn't even see from all the the weather that they were they were creating. But he, uh, you know. It, he never raised his voice. He's got a, he's got this device that someone made for him that goes on the side of the camera to rest his cigar when he's done with it. He's just, <laughs> he was accessible. Any questions we had for him the, you know, it was, it was so smooth. And here's one of my, the, I mentioned a learning experience as an actor. Here's one of my favorite moments. This is, we were, we were shooting in South Africa. This was like, uh, sort of a month after the three months we'd been gone, we had to go to South Africa because we, wherever we were with the ship, we didn't have big swells. There were no big waves and Ridley wanted these big waves. He wanted that, you know, when the ship is going up and down, when it's going down, you want to see ocean. And the only place available with that kind of weather was South Africa. So we go down there and we're shooting this simple little scene where Jeff Bridges is in his quarters under the ship and, uh, and, it's early in the movie and the rest of the, the, I play the first mate, so I'm used to being on a ship. The rest of the students are not and they're getting seasick and they're throwing up. And, my, and I have to go down and tell the skipper, Jeff Bridges, and like the crew is doing group boot over the side. And because of my, my, my history in sitcoms, because of, you know, most of my, my work is, uh, you know, comedy television, I, I found myself always kind of looking for the joke, always kind of, you know, making it about me. So he yells action. I go down. I'm like, uh, Skipper, the crew is uh, doing group boot over the side. Cut. And Ridley looks at me. Ridley looks at me. He says, just say the line. All right, let's do it again. And I'm, in my mind, I'm like, I, I did say the line. I don't know what he's talking about. We must have done it like five or six times. And I'm getting embarrassed because every time I'm trying something, and he's like, no, just say the line. Just very, very quiet like that for me. And... Finally, you know, I just, I, I didn't put anything into it. I just said it. And then when I saw the movie cut together, it hit me. I was like, okay, it's not about me. It's just this scene. It's about this, this, this moment. I didn't need to make a big deal of it. All I had to do was just, just he said, just say the line. Uh, so it was, uh, it, I was mortified, but I also, you know, I was humbled by, by that experience. And I, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that, you know? Tell me about Malta. What's, what was the greatest part about doing it in Malta? So Malta, do you know where Malta is? I know it's in Europe. That's about it. <laughs> okay, so there's Italy. You know the boot. You look at the map. The, sure. Italy's the boot. And under Italy is Sicily. And under sure. Sicily, there's a dot. This dot, and that's Malta. It's this tiny little island. Okay. And it is beautiful. It is like limestone architecture, churches all over the place, rolling hills, um, uh, it, it, it's uh, it's mostly it's Maltese Maltesians. They speak Maltese. It sounds like it, like Italian, but it's 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 Maltese, and they'll they'll correct you on that. Um, 
the the beaches are just it's not like fine sand beach it's like rock and uh uh like when i was there they had just gotten their first mcdonald's for crying out loud like that's that's how you know isolated they were but uh um it, I, they had a movie studio there and like i said that's where we shot the storm sequences and in that and i i appreciated that movie studio firsthand because they shot one of my favorite movies popeye starring robin williams i don't know if you've seen this movie yep. but they they shot a lot of it there they used that tank that i talked to you about and they built the sets if anyone's seen popeye was directed by robert altman robin williams stars in it playing popeye and they built this village uh called sweet haven which was based on the comics and that village is still there to this day and it was there when we were shooting and they turned it into a tourist attraction someone bought it um and our script supervisor on white squall luca was her name she was also the script supervisor on popeye so she took me we had a day off and she wow. took me over there we got a private tour and i have i have pictures uh and video of me walking around where they shot this movie so that completely blew my mind i mean they, besides popeye they shot like a um uh what was that pirate movie with uh, uh gina davis in a, a rennie harlan movie uh they, 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 I think to this day they still utilize that, that studio for lots of things. Um, uh, they have a, Malta had this great downtown, I think it was called Parcheville. It was sort of like five streets converging into one, and it was all nightclubs. Nightclubs, and there was a big casino on the other end, and, uh, and they had taxi cabs, and there was no set rate you had to negotiate with the taxi cabs you were all trying to make a game of like who can get like the cheapest the cheapest ride back to our hotel and if you got like a really cheap ride like the cab driver would be so pissed and he would speed as fast as he fucking could down these like winding streets <laughs> back to the hotel and drop you off it was a uh, it was outstanding it, it's a uh, the in, in hindsight like it's a it's a beautiful country uh, uh aesthetically the people were wonderful uh, and I, I always long to go back. I would love to see the way it is now. I know it's still very much a tourist uh, location. Cutthroat Island is the Gina Davis. Park. That's it. Yes. Cutthroat Island. I remember because we had, uh, I think I was in her, I was in her dressing room that, that, that she'd used when she was there. I was like, oh yeah, this was, this was Gina Davis's dressing room. This is great. <laughs> you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, Robin Williams and Popeye. I think that was like one of his, like his first feature length film. Was his first he was feature film. Yep. And it's crazy yep. to go back because I've only seen it a handful of times. I mean, it was like what late seventies, maybe early eighties, something like that. So, well, when it came out, it was 1980, because I was five. I remember seeing it in the theater. I was like five. Okay. It's crazy looking back and you're like this guy, and and what ten years time maybe would be the biggest damn movie star in the world and you're like and this movie's not even really that good because it's just it's just so old and you're used to you know the the more cgi stuff and you look at this you're like wow but talk about talk about a guy that we lost too soon robert williams i mean i remember being devastated i was oh same i, I was in high school when it happened i remember missing a day of school because it was just because for me stand-up comedy is one of my biggest loves and passions and like yeah, i yeah, yeah. i love it i've learned everything Same, from yeah you know and robin williams was just that and you know yes. he could and, he and could then not, some 
he could not have done stand-up comedy. If he would have stepped away from stand-up comedy, he still would have been one of the funniest people on earth because of the movies that he created. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. He brought us so much joy. I think that was why it was so devastating. You know, him and Bob Saget. I mean, like, like just so much joy and, and at very formative times in our lives, you know, it, it's, it's, it's stuck. It's stuck. It sticks in and they're so likable. It was very, very sad when we, when we lost both of them very prematurely, even, you know, uh, I, I wasn't going to bring it up, um, but you did. So I'll bring it up. Bob Saget. I, yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you, let me tell you, man. I had just recently, because I remember, I remember I wrote in my journal, like I was, Bob Saget was one of my heroes in comedy, like without a doubt, because I would, because obviously I watched him being America's dad. You know, he was the yeah. guy to go to. And then you'd realize, you know, what I was, because I was born in 98. So like Full House had been over for a few years, but then, so I go back, uh. and re- you know, my mom, she, she shows me all the movies she watched growing up and the TV shows. And I'm just, I'm an old school cat like that. Like I love, like um, I was rewatching He-Man the other day. And, but I was, I remember when I was little and realizing that Danny Tanner was a stand-up, com- was a stand-up comic. And you're like, I've got to listen to this. And I remember being, oh God, I had to have been maybe 10 and realizing, yeah. you know, going to HBO on the, on the cable and like, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's the way it is. It comes on at 10 o'clock tonight. That means I have to put it here. And then I would go sneak to the living room, uh-huh. sneak to the living room and watch it on the lowest volume and stick my ear up to the TV. Sure. And listen. <laughs> and of course, you're yeah. laughing. You're 10. You don't know what he's talking about. You don't know, you know, yeah, yeah. you don't know what a dick is. You don't know what any of this is at 10 years old. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I remember watching. And then when it goes off, you turn it really quick. Back to Disney Channel or Nickelodeon, whatever ten year olds watch. Sure. Run back to the bedroom uh, and go to sleep. Yes. I remember, you know, I remember that. And then when the news came that Bob Saget died, I was laying on the couch, and I remember popping up and going, "What the fuck? What? This is not because obviously they're always faked all the time." And so I was like, "You know, what the fuck is happening? That's not true. It's not true." So I look it up, E News, Fox News, and I'm like, "Holy shit!" Like I come in my room and I'm like, I find myself tearing up, and I'm like. Dude, you don't even know this guy. And I was like, yes, I fucking did. I, I, I didn't know him personally, but I knew him from what he did. And man, it was, it was one of the most emotional times I've had in a really long time. And um, I'm trying not to get emotional here, but Bob Saget was. No, it's fine. Bob Saget was everything to me, man. He was, um, he was a good guy. I, I believe I haven't heard a bad thing about him, but um really funny guy and, and, uh, and he meant a lot to me and I, I know he meant a whole lot more to you than me but i'm just looking from a fan side looking in you know no you're right in feeling all that i, I saw a meme <clears throat> the next day that had like betty white and bob and said i can't believe like we lost you know america's grandma and america's dad at the same time yeah yeah, yeah I, I my my time with him was was short but it was very very memorable and um, he, you know, when I worked on Full House, he he didn't know me, and right. I, he probably did this with everybody. But he he made it he made it he almost went out of his way to make me feel included. Like he was very he talked with me. He was very sure. present. If they went out to dinner, 
he included me, he invited me. Like he didn't have to, I've never worked on a show where people have done that. Um, uh, we, the first episode I did a full house, we shot on location in San Francisco. And, uh, and I remember we checked in the hotel and, and he called me from his hotel room. He's like, yeah, we're going out to dinner tonight. You want to come? Yeah, absolutely. So I went out to dinner with him and Candace and a couple of the people. And, and then he took us to a comedy club. I'd forgotten. I didn't realize that he had did stand up. He took us to him and Cool him and Coulier. And they took me and Candace and a couple of the people to this comedy club. Uh, and because they are who they are, they just let them go on stage. They bumped some other comics, let them go on stage. And uh and he did a he did a he did a set. He had he'd had Dave come on and do like celebrity farts impressions and stuff like that. But he was uh I will never forget how just human he was yeah you know right uh and and it was also when i realized that he is definitely not just you know danny tanner he is a very foul-mouthed very very sure. very warped minded comedian and it made me appreciate him even more uh yeah and, and uh yeah when I, I found out at i was at a convention last weekend and it, it just sort of happened a, a, a fan had just just walked by my table and put their phone in my face and was like wow look he's dead and i was like i was just like you i'm like that, that's not true i looked at my phone and i had to kind of hold it together it was so it it, it even if i didn't work with him you know like you it, it would it, it hits too close to home he was too he was he was in all of our lives for so so long well the I'm, thing I'm was very, i think what really hit wow. a lot of people was he had posted the night before that yeah it was a great show oh and then gosh. the next morning it was just like Spooky. i was like the hell is happening yeah. because you know i followed him on instagram yeah. and i remember liking the post that night and i right. just woke up and i was like what the hell happened and then then all the stuff come out but <clears throat> changing the sadness here to something on a more lighter <laughs> and darker note uh but before we go over this we do love you bob and uh we're not thinking of you okay, bob. So, miss you bob so uh we are a fan you're a fan. I'm a fan of the Adams family. Um, so I want to know, how did you first get into watching, you know, shows from the forties and the fifties? Did you just shows your parents watched? No, I, I was always sort of consuming stuff on my own. Um, it, when, when I was a kid, um, <laughs> our, they had, a, you know, there were only four channels. And so they would kind of, they would, that's when they sort of introduced syndication. I think syndication was introduced before then, of course. Uh, but my routine, I'd come home from school and there would be the cartoon block, uh, like DuckTales and Transformers and G.I. Joe. And then later on, it would go into uh, Gilligan's Island, sure. I Love Lucy, The Honeymooners, and uh, sometimes Adam's Family Monsters. Um, so they, I was always consuming these things on, uh, on like, you know, before primetime weekdays or daytime, uh, weekends. Uh, so I was always watching it. I loved it. I loved watching. I love Lucy. I loved Gilligan's Island. I watched it all the time and I love the Munsters that, and Adam's family was never on as much in my area, but whenever it was on, I always glommed on to it. I always found great value in, uh, in uh in programming and shows from the 40s and 50s even before that have you seen the new speaking of i love lucy i've seen every episode as well have you seen the new i love lucy movie with um nicole kidman 
I did. I watched a little bit of it, and I try not to do this. Uh, but I, I didn't finish it. It, it, it and I, it's weird because I love her. I love Javier Bardem. I love uh, um, the the director writer. Uh, it just didn't land for me personally. It, it seemed, yeah, it's uh, it's I it's, I wasn't, I wasn't, it's. I wasn't in, having a good time. You know, I I think I liked it a little bit more than a lot of people, but I'm also one of the like I'm a big movie buff and a music buff, so like I. I do movie reviews on the podcast, you know, all the time. So I'm always watching these as a uh, professional, even though I'm not a professional. Uh, sure. But I are, al yeah. I always hate when, but they obviously Hollywood, they have to. I hate when they take the true story of something and then they just morph it and they screw it up and people believe the movie version over doing their own research and realizing the real truth behind what was, you know, actually happening. Mm -hmm. uh, well, are you saying that, that the I Love Lucy movie was not accurate with the no I know it dealt with like communism well that she was that's part of the communist party that's true but the but the part about you know they had kind of, they kind of had the dates and the outlines a little wrong like they either mm. pushed it forward or moved it back uh, but there was also the point of where Lucy, you know, revealed that she was pregnant in real life. Lucille Ball was like, hey, I'm pregnant. We need to put this in the show. And they're like, mm -hmm. no, because America is not going to realize that, you know, you two have sex because you live in, you, you stay in two separate beds. That's not true because if you look at the, the shows beforehand, there were pregnant women in there. Well, that, no, that was a, that was a real thing back in the day. Okay. I mean, they, they were very concerned about that and not referencing like, you know, toilets. That's why we thought like, there's not anybody in early television, bathroom, right. like use the bathroom they, yeah, they never referenced that. So that, that part is, is true. And that's something that, that, that they both fought for. I mean, they're, they're what I did like about it. And it's just true is that they, they were innovators, you know, I mean, like they, I think Desi sort of established that multi-camera sitcom look. That's the first right. time that that was really established with that kind of, kind of a show that studio show. Um, they were they had a lot of groundbreaking stuff, but for just for me, that movie in particular, I don't know, I just, it, I wasn't, I, I would have loved to have, there were other stories I hear about Lucy and Desi that I would love to have heard more as opposed to that that particular one. Right, right. So what has, you weren't a fan of that movie, what's been the best movie you've seen in the past year? Or maybe the past six months? If, if you even watch, because I don't even know you personally, I don't know if you watch movies on a regular basis or what you do. Oh, I tried to. Uh, I, I, I mean, I already saw Spider Man twice. Uh, I loved it, oh, dude. I watched no it. I have watched it four times, dude. How fucking awesome <laughs> was that movie, <laughs> brother? I mean, oh my, yeah, four times. I, I all three of those movies are are fantastic for me. They're all very satisfying. I love the performance. I love the action. I love, and I, I just, I couldn't get enough. And uh, uh, and and the the. Every everything the, the little spoilers they they threw in there that we all knew were coming that were there was very very, right. very satisfying. I had such a great time with that movie. And Absolutely. you know, pe people know the spoilers, so I'm just gonna go ahead and say it now. But we knew that Toby and Andrew were gonna be in it. We just didn't know sure. how long or where or what they were gonna sure. come in and do. I thought, I thought personally they were gonna come in the last 15 minutes and help fight, and that was gonna be it. But they were yeah. in the last half of the movie for like almost an hour. And I was like, holy shit, this is great. Yeah. And I yes, remember yes, yes. I have, I've been to the theater my whole entire life. The only time I remember people standing up and cheering in a, was, was Avengers Endgame. 
And mm -hmm. I remember standing up and just, yeah, you know, you're getting into the movie. But Spider-Man, yes. no way home. It was like unbelievable. Like it was just people were screaming and I'm like, I have to go back and watch it because I don't know what people are saying. Yes. <laughs> They're screaming so bad. <laughs> Yeah, Nashville movie audiences are not as boisterous as those in, in LA, but people were, there were, it was like a very visceral reaction. Like as soon as, like when Ned had opened the, that portal and you see yeah. the silhouette of Spider-Man, like, oh, I know which Spider-Man that is. That is Andrew Garfield. Yeah, and then it, that reveal was outstanding. And then Toby comes in, oh, when Charlie Cox, well, they had Charlie Cox in there as a, right. as a, a daredevil. See, see, here's the thing though. A lot of people don't, did not realize that that was the same Charlie Cox from the Netflix show. Cause I, I've watched all those <laughs> damn Marvel shows. So people were like, yeah, yeah. Who is this? And I'm just, I'm the lone person. Woo. And if people are just sitting there silent, yeah. and I'm like, <laughs> Oh man, am I the only one that watched Daredevil on Netflix? And know who this That's guy so is? funny. That's so funny. My argument is like, where was he when all this shit was going down? Wasn't he available to help? What was he doing? <laughs> See, and, and my initial, See, and my thought was they had announced that it was going to be the Sinister Six, and there was only five villains. And so I'm sitting there thinking, one, two, three, four, five. Where's the sixth villain going to come in? People thought Venom was going to come in. and uh, uh. But my only takeaway from the movie, Jason, and this is the only knock I'm going to give the new Spider-Man. I yes. hated the way Tobey Maguire, Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker just stepped through the uh the the tunnel thing because i was like because then he goes i knew you were coming how did you know you were coming you were not this smart in our spider-man what the fuck is going well, on no, they if you remember they were also i mean like he wasn't pulling him in from another dimension like they were being pulled in from other parts of the city so they were already there pulled in just like the villains were they were and and you know, he's smart enough to figure out that something was up and he must have, I, I'm guessing through, you know, if we, if we follow from like Toby's point of view sure. of maybe of arriving, he probably investigated, where am I? What am I doing? Oh, look, there's this other Spider-Man, you know, he's probably smart enough to know about, you know, to consider a multiverse. Cause he's super brilliant. He's somewhat of a scientist himself, you know? Sure. And, and so I, I, cause I did think about that as well, but, but then I, I think it's, I think it's justified if you, if you think about it. I, but I was I was disappointed that he came in in like plain clothes. I'm like, oh, is that it? Um, is he not going to do it? Is is because I know Toby has a bad back in real life. Like maybe he <laughs> doesn't want to uh, do all the things. But it was completely like like you said, the last half was just Peter one, Peter three. That was my favorite line from Andrew Garfield. <laughs> Peter three. Like, <laughs> damn, I guess I got to be the last Peter. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, Willem Dafoe just. You can Ugh. say whatever you want to about Tom Holland. That was Tom Holland's greatest movie, but don't yeah. disappoint Willem Dafoe. I mean, he I did not insane. It was insane. And the best part of the entire movie, besides you know the Spider-Man coming in, was I hope people have clicked off. By the way, knowing that we have spoiled this movie, I hope they've just clicked off of it internally. <laughs> I hope. I hope we'll have to put a spoiler if they, if they haven't seen it already. I mean, it's right. made like six billion dollars. Uh, I think everyone's seen it by this point. Let's hope so. Uh, but maybe put it like, let's put a, 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 a disclaimer. But yeah, Willem Dafoe was terrifying. terrifying. It was terrifying. So good. Yeah. But the best part of the movie, in my opinion, besides, you know, the Spider-Man coming in, they're having this big fight, was when all the villains were in uh, Happy's apartment 
and you know they're they're either he's yes. trying to get them better and then peter sees and his tingle can feel him turning mm -hmm. into the green goblin that was brilliant i was like oh my goodness what are we doing here bro i was like this shit is great do you have a favorite movie of the last year that you that you liked you know i recently just watched the new ghostbusters ghostbusters afterlife yeah. i really yeah, enjoyed yeah. that but i have to say um i do a, a favorite movies of the year podcast i did it with my bud al this year and i put king richard as number one because we did this well before oh, spider-man really? we did this before, before yeah. spider-man came out so but yeah uh king richard was uh it's the will smith movie yeah and you know i don't know anything about sports unless it's wrestling so i was lost mm -hmm. in the tennis but it's will smith i have to watch it you know one of my favorites mm -hmm. dude he blew it out of the water and i knew nothing about nice. tennis it, it was fantastic I, I it's strange how I've gotten to a point in my career where I, I know very little about movies that are out now. There's so right. much content. I remember, I remember I could tell you I could go by an AMC movie theater, look at the, the 20 films that are on the billboard and be like, I've seen every single one of those. And now I'm like, what is that one? I have no yeah. idea. So I, I, I just saw Will Smith, King Richard. I thought it was like I honestly thought I thought it was like a Shakespeare thing. I thought it was a. <laughs> Like a, a Kenneth Branagh movie. I didn't. I didn't even know it was about tennis until you just told me. It's about uh, Serena and Vanessa Williams. Oh, okay. And their father? Is he played their, their father. father? Yeah. Okay. Oh, how about that? Well, I'm very interested in that. I'll definitely give that a shot. Sure. So I just got a few more things I want to talk to you about. We'll get you off here. Um, we're about to hit our. Yes. Um, we're about to hit our hour mark, and I'm pretty sure you got a lot of stuff to do. Uh, but. I like taking dark turns in the podcast, like just something that people are not going to like, why the hell are you bringing this up in a great conversation? You want to talk about Bob Saget dead again? No, we're not going to talk about Bob Saget dead again. <laughs> we want to talk about what's a conspiracy theory that you believe in or a conspiracy theory that you're like, you know what, with the right evidence, I think I could believe in that. Uh, wow. Um, I'm trying to think of conspiracy theories that I entertain. Um, uh, I don't know if it's a conspiracy theory, but I think aliens, uh, uh, ex exist. I don't know if they're among us. I don't know if, if, uh, I, I, I don't do a lot of research on this, this either. I mean, I know we have area 51, <laughs> area 51 indicating that we've had contact and we have things in technology it's it's hard for me to believe that that something like that could be really kept under wraps maybe but i don't know i think uh i like i like the idea of aliens but i but i'm but i like it in the idea of like the what sci-fi movies have implanted in my brain not that they're all going to take over but i i think they look like you know uh you know steven spielberg's uh, version of, of aliens uh and it, it the way that our universe is so vast it's it's it seems like it makes sense that there would be there would be another planet with an ecosystem that would be similar enough to generate life and possibly technology that might meet or surpass us at some point do you have a ghost story or something unexplainably that's happened to you that just completely freaked you out <sighs> not a ghost story but i i will occasionally visit a medium or a tarot reader that um that really blows me away that really impresses me um because i'll always go in with a little bit of scrutiny and either i'm just ignorant 
but uh, but they will reveal things that uh, that only they would know through the energy that I'm giving them. Uh, so I also I also believe in that. I believe that there are people who are who can connect cell cellularly, otherworldly, um, who can. Uh, connect with ghosts. I believe other people's stories. I mean, like, it, just because I, I haven't seen a ghost, or had those experiences, I don't negate that. That's possible. Rapid fire. How about you? Yes. Oh, I, uh, I, I've had one that just completely freaked me out. Um, I can tell you if you want to hear it. Um, if you're in a hurry, yeah, just get yeah. off here. We can get off here. Um, but I had a so my grand, my mom's dad, my grandfather passed away when I was. I was in kindergarten mm. and he used to smoke cigarettes and this happened last year maybe something like that I'm sitting in the living room with my mom and I just start to smell smoke I don't say a word because I'm thinking damn I may have COVID <laughs> you know I don't know <laughs> <laughs> and so I yeah. don't say anything and then my mom looks up and she goes are you smelling smoke and I go I do smell smoke. And she said, it's like cigarette smoke. I said, yeah, like somebody just lit a cigarette. So, you know, whatever. We're like, oh, just thinking, you know, whatever. I go into my mom's room. There's a dressing room over here. She had left something. I was going to get it. And I, when I walked through her door, I just happened to glance to my right. And inside her locked jewelry box, her dad's last pack of cigarettes with four cigarettes in it is out of the locked jewelry box. And I was like, mom, uh, oh. there's, some there's some shit happening here. Uh, what do we do? <laughs> and so it was, she just put it back up in the, in the um, cigarette or the, the jewelry box. She was like, hey dad, we're okay. You know, we're fine. That's yeah, the last yeah. time I've ever heard of it. And I was like, I was- No, no one else in your house, no one, no one else in the house smoked cigarettes? Well, they smoked cigarettes, but they weren't home at the time. And they don't smoke inside. They always smoke outside. Wow. And they but definitely the big, wouldn't take like. And the question is, if this was, you know, 20 years ago, the cigarettes aren't even, you know, capable to smoke. They'll probably fall apart. You pick one up. How did the cigarettes get out of the locked jewelry box? That was the right. biggest, that was the biggest thing. And it was like, oh shit, what are we, we're dealing with something here that I don't even want to. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right, right. Those crazy things. Isn't that fun though? That maybe that that was his way of just checking in. It's like, hey, right. I'm, I'm here. I'm checking in on you guys. It definitely yeah. makes you. Wow. It definitely makes you. Definitely makes you rethink the ghost thing. You know. <laughs> totally. No, I've heard lots of lots of situations like that. My mom uh, has has recounted many situations like that. So, Jason, last thing I want to do before we jump off. Rapid fire. Yes. First things that pop in my head. All right. The first answer that pops into your head. Ready? Okay. Yes. Here we go. Jason, what is the one snack or the one food you have to have in the house at all times because you just, it's like your favorite thing or, you know, something you just got to indulge in? Chocolate. Chocolate. Dark, dark chocolate, regular chocolate. Does it matter? Dark. Dark chocolate. Dark chocolate. Darker the better. Yeah. Darker the better. Like my soul. <laughs> If you're dying on a railroad track, you get hit by a train. Boom. Somehow you're still alive. Yes. You have one song to sing yes. for the rest of your life. What's that song? <laughs> and we're talking, uh, when I say for the rest of your life, I'm talking about like maybe yes. 90 seconds you have left. Oh my gosh. Uh, why is no song popping in my head right now? Um, 
do you believe in love after love? Uh, it's a share song. I don't know why that popped in my head. So yeah, let's go with that one. <laughs> Favorite album of all time. Oh my gosh. Uh, um, a Voyager by Jenny Lewis. Okay. Led Zeppelin, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Kiss or Aerosmith? Aerosmith. Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue. I guess more Guns N' Roses. I listen to more of them than Motley Crue. One no TV. offense, I've seen your, I've seen your shirt. Hey, I got a Guns N' Roses poster right over there. So no, no harm dig it, dig it, dig it. Dig it, dig one, it. T one TV show that you'd have to watch for the rest of your life. Uh, Gilligan's Island. Gilligan. Now, is that a big season? Like, is there like like 15 seasons of it? Or is it just like, you, you know, there's only favorite. three or four. Okay. There's only three or four seasons. Yeah. You know, I had someone that outsmarted me when I asked that question and said the Simpsons because there's like 60 seasons of the Simpsons. And so once you get through <laughs> them, you're like three years into the future. And I was like, damn, dude, this dude is like thinking on another level. Oh, that's a good one. I'll steal that one next time. <laughs> favorite book of all or time. Said Sesame Street. Sesame Street. Sorry? Favorite book you've read of all time. Um, Bird by Bird by Anne Lamont. Last question of the rapid fire. I will be coming to Nashville in the next couple of months. What's one thing I have to do? You have to go to Printer's Alley and you have to go to the Bourbon Street Boogie Blues Joint and see Stacy Mitchard Band. Macy's Stitchard Band. If, 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 he is, if he is playing, yeah, Stacy Mitchard. If, if he is playing, it's a guaranteed good time. Who has the best hot chicken in Nashville? I don't know because I don't eat hot chicken. You don't eat hot chicken? <laughs> I don't do the hot chicken. What are you, vegetarian? Uh, Hattie beans. Or, or do you just... No, I just don't like my ass on fire the next day. I, yeah, but is, I don't it, like is it that hot, hot though? But is it that hot though? That's what I'm at. Like, is it like just like terrible hot where is you can't it, even for, eat it? For my particular palate, yes. I don't. I just okay. I've never enjoyed hot spicy things. But I, I uh, Hattie B's is probably one of the most popular um, hot chicken places. But you know, you can't you can't go wrong. Look at look at the Nashville scene dot com. It's our local periodical and they they should have like a list they they, they usually have like, like just search like top 10 local nashville hot chicken places cool brother look man one thing i want you to do you i've taken up an hour of your time now it's your turn tell me as much much time as you want and this camera that you're facing anything that you got to promote promote it yes hold on let me get you closer here everybody <laughs> hi everybody here we go Jason Marsden here, and I would love if you watch the Mars Variety Show on YouTube. Please go to, when you're done here, uh, make sure you like the, this video that Dylan and I just did for you, and then uh, search Mars Presents. Please hit that subscribe button because it's free and it helps tremendously. What does it help? It helps independent local musicians in Nashville, independent local comedians, and alternative performers in Nashville. And uh, and I'm in it, and it's fun. And I would love for you to uh, to look at that. And uh, and please watch Young Justice. There's a new season on HBO Max. And uh, and play uh, Skyrim and play World of Warcraft. You might hear me. 
and uh, and 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 I will also be doing public appearances. I'll be at 90s Con in Connecticut in March. I'll be at Ohio Con in Columbus, Ohio in February. And you can also write to me at Jason Marsden on Instagram. That's it. That's all I got so far. Well, brother, look, it was a. Uh... It was fun having you on and I do appreciate you taking the time out. Cause I, cause I know you've had better podcast interviews, better interviews in general. I just like get on here. And Stop. Have fun. No, we don't talk about it. Hey, you're the only one I've done twice. So don't even say that so far, so far, so far. So you're far. the first one I've done, I've done more than once. I'm also going to be the first person you're going to have on the third time near the down the future. I can't wait. Can't wait. I can't wait. If, if this episode exceeds the, the, the views of the last one, then I will definitely come back okay. for a third. <laughs> I mean, right. I got to promote like hell. <laughs> Just saying, gauntlet thrown. Uh, I was try, trying to get my computer to work right. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. All right, you can hear me okay. I'm good on your end. Yep, got it. Got it. All right. Let's see here. Come in. So, where are you at right now? I am at my house in Kentucky. Okay, so are you from Kentucky originally? Or is that just like where you moved to? Yes. No, it's it's where I'm from. What part of Kentucky? I'm from uh, uh, Ray, uh, well, uh, New Haven, Kentucky. New Haven, where? I've never heard of that. Where is that? Like, is that by Louisville or anything like that? Uh, it's about 40, 50 miles south of Louisville. Okay, so you're out there, huh? <laughs> yeah yeah i live out in the sticks man live out in the sticks man so like so how did you go from K kentucky because obviously you're going back and forth to nashville right um yeah I, I i it's about it's probably an hour and 45 minutes to nashville okay so it's not too you can make it there and there and back in a day if you had to Oh, yeah, I, I do it a lot. Do it a lot. Yeah, I got you. So, man, look, bud, I, I appreciate you uh, you jumping on here with me. I appreciate for your people reaching out. Um, it means a lot. And I, uh, a lot of people, you know, I have a lot of people on here. And um, and I I have a rule that I've always stuck with the start of the show, start of the podcast. And it's, you're not coming on the show. You're not allowed on the show unless I like you. So, like, people are always like, man, I just... You know, but I mean, if you're on here, Dustin, I really do enjoy your music. I, when, um, when she reached out to me and she was like, Hey, let's have Dustin on there. I always ask for, you know, give me some music, give me something. And, and, and dude, you're, I was instant like, Oh man, I, I really do enjoy this guy. And that's not no, um, I'm not, I'm not blowing water up you, but I'm, I'm, I'm actually being that sincere. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on too. Um, uh, you know, uh, Whenever you're trying to get music out there, everything helps. And uh, I, I'm new to this podcasting stuff. I've only done a couple, but uh, I, I kind of enjoy this a lot better than the traditional interview or, or, or you know, a calling interview. I think that's real impersonal. In um, yeah. Kind of dig, you know, dig the whole podcast vibe, uh, uh, how to get stuff across. And I appreciate you listening to the music, taking time out to talk to me. Absolutely, man. I don't really consider my show an interview show. Um, I just like to get you on here and just chat, um, which, I, you know, which we, if you're friends with each other, you're going to ask your friends questions, 
you know what I mean? And I, I like to have that vibe on here, like, because Dustin, your, your fan base, however big or however small it may be, it doesn't matter. But if they're loyal to Dustin Collins, man, they're going to be, they're going to be watching you and listening to everything that you do for, you know, you know, everything you do. So like, they've probably heard the same 15 stories that you tell every interview. Oh yeah, absolutely. If, if they followed me for any amount of and time. And it's the worst. Gonna... And it's the worst because I'm like, man, um, you know, I'm a big jackass fan. I love the, the jackass movies and I love all that. So I've been, I've been watching some interviews with the jackass guys and I'm like, these people do not prepare before asking these guys a question because it's like, what's the worst thing that's ever happened to you? I'm like, if you go back to like, Two months ago, they asked you the same shit. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. People, it's the same, and, and same bullshit. The, the same stuff every time. And it's like, I, I can't stand people that prepare questions. I, I mean, I have maybe, I have a tunnel. I know where I'm going to go, where I'm going to end up. But I don't ever, I'm not going to be like, hey, so where were you born? What was it like? Because... <laughs> I already know that if I've watched your interviews studying you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, speak of that, where did you grow up? <laughs> uh, I grew up in uh, Wilson County, Kentucky. Uh, out, in the middle, out in the middle of freaking nowhere. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, that's the only way to describe it. Bourbon country, man. Bourbon country. So, you're, you're kind of like me, out in BFE. Don't really... It's one of those, you know, I, I moved somewhat of a lot when I was, you know, younger. Uh, and it's crazy because I moved to this one place in town. And that's where I call my home there because I lived my adolescent years to, you know, halfway through high school. And it's, it was one of those blink and you miss it towns. Like there's no sign that says welcome to. You're on Highway 13, and you're going straight, and soon you're going to end up in another town. You're never going to know it existed. And it's, you know. Just a gas station and a stoplight. <laughs> there's not even a stoplight, bro. J just one little bitty gas station that is, like, expensive as crap. <laughs> yeah, that's town. They, they kind of do. They, they don't even have credit card machines in there. <laughs> I was in this town, and, and the dudes that uh, – I was trying to pay with my debit card. He's like, it's cash only. And I was like, what do you mean it's cash only? I was like, how do you, how do you get, you know? And he was like, well, I'm not paying the government the 13 extra cents that it costs to run a credit card machine. You know, I was like, it's funny. Because, all right. <laughs> you know, growing up in a small town, like, like, you know, you and I did, it's funny because I'm sure growing up was, was very similar. Every kid back when I was growing up in the, um, early 2000s, late 90s. If you had a dollar in your pocket, you were rich. Like money, cash was everything. Now, my little cousin would be like, I'll give you $4. No, nah, just cash tap it to my mom. And I'm like, I would get my mouth washed out with soap for using the word cash app back in the day. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's, it's, it's wild how things are different now. Uh, we were talking about, you know, Last night I was uh, with some friends and um, we was talking about you know nine dollars ninety nine cents you could get a, a you get a full tank of gas and a, and a whole whole thing of um, you know Mountain Dew and you're off for the whole weekend you're, you're ready to row and 
Now, yeah, you look at it. I think ten dollars wouldn't even dip, like wouldn't even get me off fuel light. <laughs> <laughs> so, so are you that type of person? You mentioned get you off the fuel light. Are you one of those type of people that wait till you have like six miles in your gas to get more gas? It's I okay. am not. It's okay. It's okay. Certain, you can admit it. Certain other, people, <laughs> certain other people that live in this house, I'm not going to mention her name, but uh, she likes to return the car on the on the fuel light. <laughs> well, see, I look at it this way. You know, if I'm borrowing my mom's car, or whatever, it's totally different, I think. But if you're like, if I was buying your car or your truck, dust or whichever, I would return it. If it had half a tank of gas, I would put half, a, maybe a little bit more over half a tank when I returned it. Common sense. That's fair. Common sense. But now it's here and it's like, I always have to tell my mom or tell whoever else is in the house. And I'm like, hey, look, what if there's an emergency and we have to get to wherever and you have quickly. and you have 12 miles in the gas? We're not going nowhere quickly. Like if somebody was on knocking on heaven's door, <laughs> you're not going to get there like like you want to, you know, and it all it always irritates me. It's like. Put a little bit of gas in at least at least fifty miles, at least. Yeah, at least to get to a a, a good gas station. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was the um? And I, I'm pretty sure you probably asked this a million times, but what's, you know, what was the biggest difference between going from Nashville, Tennessee, to your little hometown of Kentucky? I mean, I'm pretty sure there's 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 an abundance of different things, but what was the one thing that stood out? The, the best, uh, I, I don't know, but I can tell you the best thing about okay. uh, being in Nashville as opposed to here. We have a Subway to eat. That's it. <laughs> That's all we have to eat is Subway here. Really? So when you go to Nashville, I mean, the, the restaurants are amazing. And just, just having everything you could possibly need, like right at your fingertips of being able to go get it. And uh, I lived in Nashville for a long time before I came back. Uh, COVID kind of brought me back home um to where I, I, we wasn't working very much and i was just like you know i'll i'll just drive there if i need to be there and then everybody's you know skyping and, and doing all these uh e-meets and stuff and i was like no why do i need to be out here in the middle of the traffic all the time to, and uh so i kind of packed it up and now now i'm like there's no uber eats here <laughs> so some of the things that were uh you know kind of a luxury at nashville to have you know, you, you want to be lazy on Sunday and order Hooters to your house, you can do it. But here, uh, you can have a Subway sandwich. <laughs> or drive to the next town 50 miles away and go get a burger or something. <laughs> well, I, uh, I think Bardstown's 15 okay. miles from here. But whenever you're hungry and you're lazy, you're not driving 15 miles. Right, right. That's, that was my point. That was my point. <laughs> yeah, you're just not going to do it. I don't care. Twenty minutes—that's too far. Yes, around here it's twenty minutes is deep. We ain't going that yeah. far. So, you must have—you must be making pretty good as an independent artist to 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 move from Nashville back to your hometown and still be doing what you're doing. Because a lot of people that are in the independent reign, you know, they're they're staying in Nashville until they, you know, they make it. Well, it's, I'm lucky to have my team uh, and. and you know, the whole team's Nashville-based, and they take care of a lot of things for me uh, that I, I, I used to have to do myself. And uh, I've I pretty much got my writing partners down, the people that I write with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I do a lot of the writing myself. 
So, I mean, it's not that there's, I, I, I didn't feel like that there was anything that I needed to be down there for other than to pay a ridiculously high rent right. that it was unnecessary. And I was like, you know, I could save a whole lot of money by being here and, and just driving down to town when I needed to be there. And, you know, I'm a country boy. I don't want, you know, food right. aside, I love being home and being in the country and being able to, you know, walk out and, and see people that I've known my whole life. You know, it's just fairly comforting to me. You know, it, it's, I'm pretty sure it's astonishing to you, but like I'm doing everything on my own. I'm booking, I'm, editing it's just you know you're not making enough to to pay the damn bills let alone hire somebody so i want to know from your personal firsthand account what was it like when you were able to afford these people and you're like wow now i can i can breathe easily and know that somebody else is going to book me a show i you know you know you're not really you're still hustling but you're not as hustling as much as you were well, it's it's still new, so I'm not quite. Okay. I'm still not quite okay. that, like that. I mean, our, our whole team is uh, this album. You know, th this just started with this album, and oh, really? Okay, we've not okay. Really, we've not even really got into the nut, nuts and bolts of, of the things that I'm gonna have to do because uh, it's been nice to be home. But uh, you know, we're about to start a radio tour, and uh, I was talking to my my radio guy, and he was like, "This is gonna be the hardest thing you've ever done," and. Man. Then I read this Washington Post article that this is this is the hardest thing country artists have to do. And then he's like, "Yeah, you're gonna be uh you're gonna be gone for." Uh, he said, "We're gonna hit 50 radio stations in 45 days." And I'm like, "Some you know some don't add up here." <laughs> so well, I was like, "Yeah, it's, we're getting on a plane and getting off a plane and going someplace else." Yeah, and I'm pretty sure the hours because you have to be at a radio station sometimes at four o'clock in the morning and your voice has to be ready to sing at four 30 and then you're going to be out of there by four 45 hop on the next train at six the plane at six go to another one, be there by eight 30. I, I, I feel for everybody that has to do radio tours, but I think it's part of, if, if you're not fully blessed and you just get thrown into this thing and you're just an A-lister immediately, this is the hardest thing a musician has to do. Well, I, I think the radio tours, the, I mean, you expect these people, like you said, you, you, you expect these people to have a working relationship with you and, and invest, yeah. you know, cause that's what a program director does is right. Invest, I mean, he invests himself into your career by playing your song because, you know, a lot of these radio stations have 40 spots, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe 50 on a good day. And you know, those are the hardest spots in the world to get, you know, you're, you're trying to essentially trying to take a spot from somebody like Jason Aldean or, or, or something. And you want them to play your song instead. And if you're not willing to get up and, and go meet these people and talk to them firsthand and, or, or sit and spend some time with them, why would they ever do you any kind of favor or, or play your music? You know, I've had a lot of guests on here and, you're one of the very few that kind of has their head wrapped around and they know what the industry is about. Not, not speaking, you know, just in general. And I had this one person on a long time ago. The dude's not even doing it anymore. And I realized, cause you're not fit for it because I would ask him, you know, he had mentioned why he wasn't putting out an album on like, it was like a certain day of the month. And I said, well, why aren't you putting it out then? And why are you putting it out there? Cause he had just come up with excuses and his, his, 
his answer was, oh, that's because Luke Bryan's putting out an album and so is Blake Shelton. And I don't want to compete against my heroes. And I said, well, you're in the wrong damn business, buddy, because this is all about competition, bro. So, and then now he's like not even doing it anymore. And I'm like, I, I, I called it. And it's crazy because these people, they're out there doing, because they love to hear music on the radio and they love to sing. And they want to do it. They just don't understand the hard work that goes into it. I, I mean, I, there's a lot of people that, that really want to do this. I mean, even in Nashville, I mean, you, you see a, there's, there's a bus leaving Nashville, every, you know, yeah, every day with, with somebody's uh, broken dreams and guitar cases on it. And it, it's, it really is a full-time job if you want to, you know, get in and play music because your fans see how hard you work and, and really without them, there is no job. Right. And you know, without making good music and putting the work into it, you're, you're not going to make those fans. They're not even, you know, they're never going to hear of you. So, you know, putting in all the work just to get to go to work, you know, you got to put in a lot of work just to go to work. You know, I, and, I, and that's what I thought being an independent artist was about was, uh, you working your ass off so you can work your ass off some more. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I use, that's a good point because I use um, Lauren Elena. She has a song from her first album. It was called Three. And I think she speaks the truth perfectly. You know, she was missing all these things. She was like six years of missing home for only three minutes on the radio. And where is that three minutes going to take you? It doesn't matter. But I'm here for three minutes on the radio. And it's still not getting me anywhere. So I'm still going to have to miss six more years for another three minutes. And it was it's perfectly written. And that's a perfect Nashville song for anybody that wants to be in I don't have to check it out. It sounds like something I'd like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So you grow, up in, you grew up in Kentucky, small town BFE, Kentucky. What's next? When do you realize that you want to be a country singer or just a singer in general? Man, I, I, I had joined the Army and, and uh, I was a mechanic in the Army. And uh, after I got out of the military, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Yeah. At all. And and my, my dad was like, won't you go play guitar in Nashville? I think I was I was working at Jim Beam rolling I was rolling whiskey barrels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which uh, so they fill them up and uh you put them in a warehouse and, and these things are like seven hundred pounds when they're full. So the only way to get them around is roll them. And uh, I hated that. That was a terrible job. I mean, I mean, it was not a terrible job. It's a great job for people that want to do it. I did not want to do it. And my dad was like, why don't you just go to Nashville and play music? I was like, okay, dad, well, I'll just pack up all my crap and, and move to Nashville. And then I, I sat and thought about it a couple of days and I, I packed up all my crap and I just went to Nashville. And I, uh, I think my first job down there, I was working at Tootsie's. And uh, just being around all the music and all, all the time and, and getting in there and playing and playing and playing, it got real difficult for me to do. And I, I was, I'm the kind of person that, that you're not going to tell me no. <laughs> and you're not, you're not uh, I'm not getting spit out by Nashville. I'll leave this town when I'm good and damn ready to leave. Okay. What and, do you mean uh, it was, what do you mean it was getting difficult for you to do to play music? Well, I think it's where, you know, you don't make very much money. You're living in a, a, you know, double wide with four other dudes that aren't making much money. It's, you know, the, the, the 
formative years of Nashville wasn't awesome, you know. And I had a lot of good times back then and met some people that I'll never forget in my life and that'll be friends of mine and until the day I die. But, uh, you know, to say that we suffered for our art was beyond comparison because <laughs> we were down there, uh, like, splitting up ramen noodle packages and then, like, here, you can take half <laughs> because we only made 60 bucks in tips and we had to pay $20 in parking. Yeah, so and it was... So take me back to before you joined the military. What was life like at home? It was, I was surrounded by my, by music. I mean, my, my uncles played music. Uh, my dad played music. My mom sings. And it's just a small town place. You know, uh, we, we didn't go a whole lot of places growing up. Like there wasn't very many vacations or stuff like that. So what we did for fun is, you know, there's people would come over to the house and they'd light a fire and everybody play guitars around the fire. And, uh, that was basically my whole life growing up it, it is basically revolved around, uh, drinking beer and playing guitar. <laughs> so you joined the military. Why was it something you felt you needed to do or was it just, you didn't really have another choice? I was pissed off at school. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I, I was just, I was ready for a change and to, to get out of here and see a little bit of the world and, and just try to get, I guess that, that spot when you're 17 and you just, you hate everything, no matter how good it might be. Cause looking back now, I, I, I had a wonderful, awesome childhood, but uh, you know, probably go back and ask that kid. He would have told you, screw this town. I'm, I'm trying to get out of here. It's like little kids. I hear them all the time and they're like, I can't wait till I'm old and I'm able to pay my own bills. And I'm, I'm looking at myself. I'm like, I wish I could go back to when I was 12 or 13 because I was living the life. You know, you didn't have a care. You didn't know. You didn't know mom and daddy were struggling to pay the bills. They never showed it. Eating mama's hot pockets up and, you know. Yeah. And they're like, she goes, you ate another one? That's the last one we have for the week. We, we're going to buy more. It's that yeah, simple. Exactly. It's, it's not that simple, you know. And then you realize it when you're, when you're dad all grown. <laughs> hey, we didn't have Mountain Dew growing up. We had Mountain Lightning. We had the, the 88 yeah, cents. That's, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Thunder, boys. Dr. Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that gets Shoot. me to another conversation because – I have a conversation with uh, one of my good friends, Eric, and he's, I'm always chatting to him. And, you know, I was like, you know, growing up and still today, because I think it was growing up, we never bought name brand food or name brand anything. It was usually the Pigla Wiggly brand or the Walmart brand. And now I'm the same way because I will go and if, if I buy like name brand cereal, to me, it does not taste the same than the cheap ass brand of cereal, you know, because it's <laughs> you know, extra bougie doing it. Too. You're in there like, oh, look at you with the craft macaroni. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, well, this 78 cent macaroni is actually pretty good if you're actually going to try it. But you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you so you the same way today where you're just like, you know, you you could probably afford stuff that you couldn't afford when you were little, but you're just so humble that you're not going to. I think it's just habit at this point. Right, right. What I'm usually going to get at the grocery, I know where it's at. And I just, I don't know. I grab the same thing every time. And and I might try want to try something new. 
and I will go to the grocery store and I hate being in there so bad uh -huh. that I will literally not look at my list. I will just go in there and get the same thing I bought last time and throw it in the cart. So, you know, if I, if I was eating the IGA brand uh, macaroni, that's what's going in the car. Yeah. And I, I've, I've been on a diet here the last little while. So I've been eating a whole bunch of tuna fish and, and, um, you know, uh, kind of staying off the carbs a, a little bit. So there hasn't been much macaroni in my life in a while. And that, that's my favorite food of all time is macaroni and cheese. <laughs> macaroni and cheese, man. Yeah. What a, what a weird favorite food, huh? <laughs> I know it's it's just noodles and cheese, but right, God, I love it. <laughs> now, do you prefer the boxed macaroni or homemade macaroni, or does it really matter? Because it's your favorite food, so uh, it has to be a preference. My favorite's the Velveeta shells. Okay, with it, it's not yeah, powder cheese. It's actually Velveeta cheese. It's it's not that it's not that cheap ass powdered nasty stuff. It's the actual cheese in the in the aluminum foil <laughs> that's probably yeah, that's probably not, not really right cheese right off the brick <laughs> so you joined the military how many years do you do you do four years i did four so you do your four years you're out 21 22 years old don't know what to do dad says hey just go to nashville you love playing guitar go be a singer what happens what's the very next thing when, because you'd mentioned that you were just tired of doing the Nashville thing. What happened after that that made you stay? Well, I, I wasn't going to let Nashville beat me. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it eventually, it eventually whipped my ass. And I, it was not the first time I moved to Nashville because I, I, I came home that first time with my tail tucked between my legs. As I, I had a manager and, and a writing deal that and it all fell apart, you know. And I was fairly discouraged about everything. And, and my manager was like, you just don't sing that good. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell is that supposed to mean? I don't sing that good. And he said, man, if I was you, I'd, I'd, I'd go back home and get you a little band. And, you know, if you want to do this, uh, work on it. And he said, you know, write your songs, develop your songs, go get a fan base. Let's go out there and play music for folks. And he said, instead of coming down here, he said, you're not ready for this. He said, not really. And I was, I, at the time was real pissed off about it, but it's the best advice I ever got. And, um, I came back home and, uh, I did exactly what he told me to. I found some boys that, that I like to play with. They like to play with me. And, and we just started banging it out at the local bars playing. The, I mean, some God awful places we've played <laughs> and, um, probably play, played some really bad sets of music too in between but uh it, you know after years of knocking it out and grinding it led to that very first record we, that I, I did and that's when it all took off when the first time I, I heard my songs recorded and a local radio station uh, q1031 played one of my songs on the radio and that that it was over hooked like I'm in this to win it was I heard it on the radio one time I was like I'm gonna have my songs on the radio yeah you know it's funny you mentioned that and a lot of people are doing that but I was this uh, Kid Rock was kind of the same way but Kid Rock had a weird story man Kid Rock when he first started out 
he released uh, Grit Sandwiches for Breakfast. And he had this song on there. It was called Yodeling in the South. And the song is about him giving oral pleasure to a lady. All these, in, all these innuendos, right? Well, they released it to radio. And the FDA finds the radio station, Kid Rock, everybody in the camp because they're like, dude, this shit is rough. You can't play this on radio. Well, of course, you Kid Rock, and of course, he's not going to give up. So he kept going, and he built, he did exactly what you did, built the fan base, kept it going, kept it going, kept it going. And the time cocky or um, Devil Without a Cause came out, he was like the biggest thing in the world because his fan base kind of pushed him to be who he is today. And, it's, and you see that a lot with Cody Johnson and Tyler Childress Absolutely. and stuff like that. And it, it's, it's crazy how it works because you could not do that back in the day. I don't think you could, you could do that back in the fifties or the sixties. No, without the internet. It, without it the internet. And, right. Because I mean, that's, we talk about modes of discovery all the time and, and, because essentially, as an independent artist, you are your record label. Yeah. You know, you, and what makes successful independent artists are, are the ones that do the research and learn the business. I mean, you, you can't, you can't be a plumber if you don't know nothing about pipes. So, right. you know, so you, you gotta, you gotta get in there and um, actually do the research and do the work and, and learn about you know, how, how do people even discover your music in the first place? You know, okay, everybody knows uh, Spotify playlist or the radio. How do you get on a Spotify playlist or the radio? You know, how, how do you get on any of these things? And you, you think we're in a time right now where there is an extraordinary amount of music coming out every day, you know, that are, that are hitting DSPs all over the place. And I read somewhere like only 10% of all music goes above 50,000 streams on a streaming platform, you know, as opposed to all these people that are putting out music. And, and for me, I find that super interesting to go in and, and deep dive and say, why are these artists, you know, in that percentile that, that are actually achieving, be it be very, very modest success but they're they're doing it you know they're in the top 20 percent of all music released in one day and you're talking millions and millions of songs yeah and it's just fascinating for me to i'm sorry i go off on random no, random tangent that's what this, uh, about you know that's, that's what this is about that's what it's about I, I just think that um the industry with the internet and, and the way music is moving now you know, even 20 years, uh, what, well, 20 years ago, we barely had Facebook and we were still, yeah. you know, um, Tom's buddy on MySpace. <laughs> I wonder, because I'm this way when, you know, you're growing up middle of nowhere, nobody knows where you're at. You grow up struggling in Nashville, trying to make it. Do you look, not not look down upon, but do, do you ever get jealous of people that, kids that are coming up and you realize that they come from extreme wealth or their parent was a, some type of celebrity. And it's like, they automatically have it in like, because I, I do that all the time. And I'm like, this pisses me off because I've been doing this for five years. I'm just now starting to make an impact. And then look at this guy, this motherfucker come over here 
because his dad's worth $2 million and all of a sudden he has a He's right. He's kind of at the same level as you are starting out, you know, and you burnt your ass off to get Right, and it just, yeah. And I'm pretty sure that happens a lot in the music industry. I mean, I know it does, but <laughs> that ever just hits you where you're just like, oh, man, I, I don't know how long, much longer I can do this. When I was younger, that kind of that kind of stuff pissed me off like quite a bit. Yeah, and I'd get. I guess it. I guess it's jealousy. That's all it is. It's jealousy. And I had a buddy of mine that's my business partner now. He said, "You know, you know, any anybody can hit the genetic lottery and and end up, you know, being you sure. know being a millionaire's kid or or something like that, where they have the means or necessary." And, and all the time, it doesn't mean that they're less talented, that they don't belong to be there. Right. And you, you got to look at it that way that, you know, a lot of these kids, whether the amount of money they had to, to start their own business, uh, you know, they're, they're talented folks too and worked hard. And uh, my partner, he said, you know, it sucks that you have to do it this way. And it sucks. He said, but you're here now and you gutted it out. He said, right. so. There, there's no reason to be jealous of anybody. He said, uh, the, the more time you spend thinking about other people is time you're not spending thinking about yourself. And that's something that I, I took heart and was like, you know, if I don't worry about these folks and I dive down into my stuff, I'm just going to get better and worry, worry, you know, kind of worry about my own deal. <laughs> and and that don't worry about nobody else's deal because, you know, you the grass may not be greener on the other side because yeah. I've seen a lot of uh, kids come to town with a lot of money for music videos and, and, you know, fancy, fancy, uh, guitars, fancy equipment, you know, and I've seen those same guys and ladies leave town. You know, it's, empty. it's funny because it's, it's a double negative on both ends because everybody comes from a dark place. Everybody has something dark and they're like doesn't matter what who they are and it's because you can look at and i'm going to give you two comparisons here guys if you're (laughs) those that are listening it's when you come in and you come from nothing and you have nothing it doesn't matter if you're in in a different town you grew up with nothing so you're not gonna you're you're used to having nothing and you're not going to give up because it's like i'm pushing to not having to having something but then there's all but then there's always that feeling of you know what? I've struggled my entire life. I, I'm okay struggling till I die, just because it's a comfort zone. Yeah, I, was about to, I, I had the same conversation with my manager the other day. Uh, we were talking about this radio tour, and and he's like, you know, a lot of these shows you're going to play aren't going to be paying. He said, you're going to take a kind of a financial hit on your paycheck. I said, I said, who's <laughs> making money? <laughs> I was like, well, when did this money thing start? I'm used to this. I was like you guys are the ones going to have a financial hit. It's not me. I was like, cause I wasn't getting paid. <laughs> yeah. Double uh, negative. Yeah. What was that? The other double negative. That, that, side that of movie the... Meet the Millers. Did you ever see that? Or what was it? He's like that movie, Meet the Millers. He's like, he, he got $5,000 to do this thing. He was like, <laughs> I'll give you 2000. She was like, what you're giving him 2000. He was like, what y'all are getting paid. <laughs> yeah. It was, that's, that's the joke of the music industry. There is the pyramid artist scheme. Or, yeah, it's the pyramid scheme. The artists are simply the last people to get paid. Right. And, you know, the double negative on the people that come in with money and from people that <laughs> parents were money, the same thing happens with them. It's like, okay, 
I have to prove myself that I'm not just Billy Madison's kid. You know, I have to prove that I'm my own person. But then there's also that negative of I have money. I'm going to have money till I die. I can just give up and go home and still live my extraordinary life. And it's crazy to think that both sides of being poor and being and having money, they all meet the same in the middle. They all have the same thoughts. I, it's, I mean, so, yeah, somewhere in the middle, it, it's all, it, it, it all just, and, and I, I don't think that's exclusive to music. I mean, it's, it, it, I mean, it's everywhere. And the music industry is just a, you know, it's a different industry altogether uh, of, it's the glitz and glam, you know, it's everybody wants to be a rock star. You know, it's the hardest thing in the entire world to try to actually pull off. And, you know, you got dumbasses like me that get up every single day and, and keep writing these songs because essentially you're in the business of making people like you. And my whole life growing up, everybody, you get these old guys, well, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I just go to work. Your job as a musician is to care what people think about you and what you do. And, and everything you do is under a microscope. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, if you play bad songs, nobody's going to like you. If you don't work on your songwriting, you got, well, I don't know. I've heard some pretty rough songs <laughs> that people like, but that's personal taste, <laughs> you know. You know, it's all, I think, go ahead. In the, in, in the new, uh, the new model of music business is no matter what you do or how you do it, you're going to find people out there that like what you do because that the, the internet's just so big and the world's so big and so open now that you know if you want to play some kind of you know panamanian you know flute music you're going to find somebody that wants to listen to that you know and it doesn't really matter that that these things these preconceived notions about what's acceptable as a musician and that's where I think you, you start really seeing the Tyler Childerses and the Cody Johnsons, you know, that aren't subscribing to what the major uh, music industry is telling you to do. They just kind of went and did what they wanted to do. And they found that audience. And I think that that's the best thing about the music industry is no matter what happens now, whether you, you could be as big as you want to be as long as you, you know, you, you keep, keep working. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that you just have these people living their regular lives, working at McDonald's, working at and they're happy. You know, I've never been that person. Like I was working at Walmart and I was, I was like, you know, this is just for a certain amount of time. And then once I realized I was starting to get comfortable with it. I stopped and then I went work somewhere else and I started getting comfortable. And I was like, this is not, I don't want this as a normal life. You have to have custom, you have to have people that work one, but I'm not going to be one of those people because that's not success to me. A lot of people's success is, you know, I want to have a job, put a roof over my family. I want to have a wife. I want to have kids. I want to have a husband. I want to have kids. That's fine. That's just not my side of success. You know what I mean? 
Absolutely, man. That's uh, and you know, life's weird, man. You, you, I I can never even you know I, I think about some some of my own personal friends that that hate their job and hate what they do. Yeah, and they go do it day in and day out, and. I just don't understand. I, I, I can't fathom to understand. I, I know that there, there's a physical need for money. Yeah. You know, you have to have money to pay your bills. And, and, but if somebody hates, you know, you're going to spend a quarter of your life at this place working, you know, one quarter of, of your entire life. Um, I, and this is just me personally. I, I don't understand the, the drive, what makes somebody get up and go do that every day. And I'm incredibly blessed and lucky to get to do what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the, you know, there was a whole lot of work and struggle that went in to getting to do that. I, I just, if, if I had to go do, you know, you know, something else, I would do it. But like you said, it would just be a stone to get back to where the thing that I wanted to do. And that's just kind of, and with COVID when that happened and everybody shut down and they shut down live music and they shut down basically everything. You know, just like me, there was a whole lot of us terrified. They're like, what are we going to do now? (laughs) We are going to be broke. And, um, you know, so I, I strapped up on some uh, some concrete boots and, yeah, you know, grabbed a rake and I went out and poured concrete. I went out and did odd jobs. I went and worked my tail off until it was time for me to go back to my job. Yeah, and do what I do. And, but like like you said, there's you know the people that day in and day out just go to a place they hate. That's something I'll never get. And that's something I won't do. You know, you know, that's I will not. I, my dad's the same way. He's like, he loved it for a while, and then he just got comfortable with it, and it just got old. And he's like, you know, <laughs> I used to love getting up because they he builds bridges. He puts the columns on the bottom of the of the at the you know on the rivers and stuff like that. He's like, I used to love it. Now it's just boring. Now it's the same shit. That I hate it. And I'm like, it's not gonna be me. You know, I'm I'm not gonna do that. Oh, this is a pretty cool job, though. <laughs> hey, man, I seen that somebody come in. Do you need yeah. Do you need a second? I'll give you a second. Oh, no. Okay. You're fine. Yeah, but but I wonder, this leads to a question for you, Dustin, is what's the worst job you've ever had prior to music, and what's the best job you ever had besides music? Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Now we're, now we're into some stuff here. <laughs> Worst job, uh, I actually, I worked as a corrections officer for a very short amount of time because there was a, there was a prison, uh, close to where I live. It's not even there anymore. Thank God. But they were hiring people on it like $16 an hour. And I was like, yeah, I was like money. Yeah. I got over there and, uh, needless to say, I did not want to be a grown up babysitter. (laughs) <laughs> and I was, uh, I was done fairly quickly. Um, I did not enjoy the world of corrections. Like, I don't like being told what to do. So I definitely don't want to sit and tell grown folk what they need to be doing. And these are all obviously people that 
aren't very good at being told what to do in the first place or they wouldn't be in there. Right. And, um, I, I hated it. I hated it immediately. Uh, the best job I've had other than, um, you know, this is something I still do. Uh, I, I love, um, I love consulting. This is music. It's, I guess outside the music industry. So I, I love consulting other, other folks about, you know, helping them get their careers on track and, and showing the things that I've learned, helping, you know, younger artists, you know, um, just throwing some experience on them and, and, and watching what they do with whatever I've told them to do. That that's something that I still do. And I don't even charge that much money for it. You know, it's, it's just enough for my time that, to, to, you know, help you, you know, there's so many kids that come in, don't even know how to set up a social media page. Yeah. Which, you know, for music, you know, and there's just a lot of information that I've had to claw to get that, that, you know, if you help somebody else out, a very talented kid from, you know, where I'm from, you know, no telling what they might do with it in, in 10, 15 years. You know, they might be the one that gets the big record deal and has 10 number one hits, and then I helped them and I get free tickets. So, <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> All right, man. So, as we kind of wind down here, we've been going for um, almost an hour. Uh, I want to do something. Time, fl- time flies in good conversation, man. Time flies in the conversation. See, that's what I want. I want someone that's going to be like, wow, we've already done an hour instead of going, man, that was a long hour. You know what I mean? So, that, that, that's, my, that's my job, and I try to do it. So, but what I want to do, I feel like it'd be super weird that if you was talking to somebody and, and they just like, if you had to pull information out of them, dude, like if they want to be on your podcast, promote something, and you're just kind of staring at them. No, dude, there was this one guy, no name going to be mentioned. There was this one guy and he was, Hey man, I want to do your show. I want to do your show and promote my stuff. He was okay. You know, he wasn't the best. And I was like, man, I don't really know. I'm kind of booked. I'm this and that. He goes, just 15 minutes is all I need. 15 minutes. And I said, okay. Cause I cannot, I can always not air it if it wasn't good or whatever. So I said, okay. I said, so tell me about this new song you got. Well, it just come out of my head and I wrote it. I said, okay. Do you have any plans for any new music? No, not right now. I'm just doing this album. What the fuck did you want to come on this show for, bro? You're not you're not telling me anything. <laughs> you're not doing anything. So I'm I'm lucky to get people, you know, like you that just love to talk and have a conversation because it just makes time go, like I said, fly very quickly instead of just I got to cut it off at ten minutes because if not, I'm gonna. I'm gonna then, you, then you can do your pitch at the end. <laughs> then you do your pitch because if it keeps going any longer, I'm gonna snap somebody's ankle here, and I can't do yours. <laughs> so, all right, this is called. I'm gonna do quick fire. It's uh, I'm gonna do the first question that pops in my head. You give me the first answer that pops in your head. And if you have any questions for me, the same way, you just stop me and ask me. All right. What is your favorite album of all time? If you have one album to listen to, you're stuck on a desert island by yourself. And there somehow happens to be a CD player there or a record player. What's that one album you're going to bring and listen to? Tesla, uh, Five Man Acoustic Jam for sure. Favorite artist of all time? 
Just Tracy one. Lawrence. Tracy Lawrence. With those alibis. You got alibis, man? <laughs> oh, that. that, that and, and lion eyes. Lion eyes. <laughs> uh, I, love, I love Tracy Lawrence, man. He's fire. Everything he's got is fire. What is one scene from a movie that is your favorite line from any type of movie? Oh, it's definitely got to be uh, Joe Dirt. Where's the kid, kid, kid Rock's line in it? And he said, Ain't nobody want you around here, Dirt. <laughs> I don't know. I love that whole movie. No, that movie. Have you seen the second one? To, they should have just not done it. <laughs> they should have just left that. They that left was that one of out. those where. I regret, like, I love movies so much. I'm a music nerd and a movie nerd. I know everything about movies, everything about music. And it's crazy to see, like, Joe Dirt 2 was a good one where it's like, dude, you, this, this is proof that after so many years, you should not make a sequel. Like, it was, they were, you could tell they were doing that movie for money. I'll, I'll be honest with you. They were doing it for money. I'm sorry. <laughs> they had to, and it was terrible. No way. It, no it was, it way was, David Spade signed off to do that shit. Man, the, the, the only movie that I think that, that pulled it off uh, after that many years was Super Troopers. When they did Super Troopers 2, I thought that was pretty funny. You know, I've never seen Super Troopers, so I can't really say for myself. Never seen the first one. Never seen it. Oh, I mean, that... that, that you know, they all act in a whole bunch of movies together, that whole group, right. like a whole group of actors or whatever. So I feel like it, no matter what they did, you know, it was going to be funny. My so, favorite, I mean, it just... <laughs> no, my favorite line from a movie that I quote all the time for, for just no reason is one of my favorite movies, for some reason, and don't ask me, is Meet the Parents, the one with Ben Still and Robert De Niro. And the funniest scene for me in that movie is when they're all sitting down for dinner for the first time when uh, Ben Stiller and his wife, his girlfriend come in to meet her parents and they're sitting there and they were talking about a cat and he goes, I Ben Stiller makes up this story and he's like, I remember when I grew up in a barn and we come in there and the, the little kitten could get no milk from the mother. So I took the nipple and I got a little <laughs> saucer and I milked the thing and he goes, Robert De Niro looks at and he goes, Greg, you can milk a cat? Yes, you can milk anything with nipples. I find that so funny for some reason. De Niro, when he said, uh, I've got nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? Can you milk me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Those are some of the most funniest. And Ben Siller is one of my all-time favorite actors. He's just, he's hilarious in everything he does. My favorite Ben Stiller movie is uh, Tropic Thunder. Tropic sure. Thunder, dude. There's no way they can make that movie today. No, God, no. They, oh man, there was so much. Do you think they could? Do you I, think they could have made it back back when they made it? Like, I don't think it was allowed to be made when they made it. <laughs> no, they shouldn't have made it then. But I don't know. I. I don't know. People might not even buy my record now because I like the movie <laughs> because it was hilarious and I don't care. And I, I, I don't know, care. I don't care. Right. And, and I'm going to say this right now. 
the best black character was ever portrayed by a white man, Robert, <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that oh my God. that movie, and it it doesn't even look like Robert Downey Jr. If you think about it, it, he really looks and sounds like a black guy. And I'm like, that's the greatest portrayal of a black guy from a black guy that I've ever seen in my life. I, I I thought, that, and you know, there was backlash over that because he was make he was making fun of you know people getting parts that they shouldn't be getting. You know, that's that was the whole right. joke. The whole, the whole point of the, actually does that stuff. The whole point is a spoof. It's a spoof. It's making fun of. And it, what he was basically doing was Ben Stiller took this movie and he was basically making fun of the people that made fun of blackface. Let's be honest. Yeah. That's yeah, what he was doing. Yeah, exactly. Robert, Down, Robert Downey and, Jr. was and, not. Yeah, he, he was not playing. Anybody blackface. that said anything that was outraged at Tropic Thunder, I, I was like. <laughs> You obviously didn't watch the movie. It's like, okay, if you're going to be mad at that, why don't you be mad at Kung Fu Panda because Jack Black's not Chinese? Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, everybody's hey, mad. Everybody's mad about it. I hate, can, I hate cancel bad. culture. I hate cancel culture. I hate it so much because it doesn't matter if you're not even on the spectrum of cancel culture. You have to be easy of what you say nowadays, no matter what platform you're on because it's, it's it's oof. and i don't even want to get to that conversation which is it's it's just crazy i hate cancel culture i can't stand it. I mean, it, it's i think it's ruining art completely comedy uh podcast Com music. i think comedy you, you can take movies out of it because sure there's some movies that should be made and even though it's historical you know accuracy whichever but i think you have to take comedy out of it because a lot of the point of a comedy is to use these these slurs and to make not racial slurs. Don't don't God don't think that. But to make these slurs and to say retard, say say these because you can't. You have to take a certain comedy element, and I do stand up, so I'm kind of a little bit knowledgeable. But you can you have to yeah, take so these. You know exactly what I was saying with comedy is is if you yeah. can't do that. I mean, you're just kind of sitting in a room talking, <laughs> you know. That that's like uh, I don't know if you see Dave Chappelle. He his his newest special on Netflix. Oh, I love it. He opens I love up. It. This guy opens up and says, "Y'all about to cancel me right now? I'm not going to be on Netflix for the next three or four years." But here's what I got to say. And I was like, "Whoa!" I was like, "This guy has some nads on it, but he doesn't care. He's Dave Chappelle. Who who, who gives a shit?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, I imagine back in the day, if you you, you would have any like if you would have told Eddie Murphy back in the day, you can't say this. Yeah, <laughs> like back in the eighties, like red red jumpsuit, Eddie Murphy. Right. <laughs> yeah, uh, Eddie Murphy Raw, like that is that. It, have you Eddie Murphy Raw is one of the funniest things, and it's you know, I compare and I don't compare myself to a black person, but I was having a conversation with a black comedian on here. And I said, you know, people that grew up in the South kind of had the same relationship as they've had as black people have with their parents. Like Eddie Murphy had a joke on Eddie Murphy Raw, and it was uh, his mom, he wanted McDonald's. And his mom said, we have McDonald's at the house. And of course, if you're six, you're believing, wow, we got McDonald's at the house. 
And so she goes, she makes him a sandwich or a hamburger and the hamburger is this thick homemade patty. And she puts it on sandwich bread with cheese. <laughs> and he's like, but I, I, I compare that because we do that all the time. That's give up bread, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, Dustin, look, man, I, uh, I appreciate your time on here. Why don't you go ahead and talk about this new album you got coming out later? Yeah, man, uh, we, we've, we've been working on it through the pandemic. I mean, a lot of great songs. We've been uh, got to work with Buddy Cannon, who's legendary Chesney. producer. Right. Yeah, he's, he's worked with Chesney and Willie Nelson and all these guys. And I mean, he, you know, he made the album pop. He, he did a great job working with me and helping, helping me to become a better musician. And uh, some of the writers on here, Will Rambo, uh, we get a, he, he, he wrote quite a bit on it. I got El, Eldon Huff uh, came on. Ashton Shepard did a duet with me uh, on the record. And um, she's fantastic. If you have heard her music, awesome. If, if you haven't, you got to check her out too. We did a du duet on this. And uh, it's the first duet I've ever done. And it's just an awesome song. Um, more incredible. Uh, Brett Eldridge, I think, has a song on here on, on my record. And it, it's a killer tune too i mean that guy's uh way talented when i got the demo to it uh you know i, I was floored and was like oh my god how am i gonna sing this song i was like brett elders is a little intimidating to listen to a demo of and you're expected to go in and do that song just as good as the demo and you know i can't thank thank everybody on on this record that, that's come together and, and helped me you know, put a, my first full length album together and it's been such a process and I can't wait for people to get to hear it. And, uh, you know, I always say, you, hit, hit me up on my socials backslash Dustin Collins music. But once this uh, record comes out here in the next couple of months, I really do want to hear from everybody out there. Uh, if you if you get a chance to listen to it, you know, good or bad, hit, hit us up on our socials and, and talk to us and let us know what you like, what you didn't like you know um what what you want to hear from us in the future you know just without interacting with with the folks out there uh you know we we don't know if we're doing a good job we're, we're just writing what we feel and and playing what we like and uh you know we want to know what 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 you guys and what the fans think about it you know we we want to know Hey, did uh, did this song this song that I absolutely love? Did you guys think it was completely garbage? <laughs> and and you know, so, sometimes that happens. You you get a you know you get stuck on something you really like, and uh, it might not be the awesomest song on the record. And then when you get something like what we've come up with, every every song on this record is my favorite song that I've ever done, and I've poured a lot of sweat and tears and into and, and getting it ready uh for for people to listen to and and that's i think that's why it's taken me a year and a half to do the thing as <laughs> um because i I just every detail of this record is is ingrained in who i am and um so yeah album comes out this summer guys <laughs> is there a, an actual date or are you just not sure you show it's coming this summer we are, uh, we're trying to, we're going to have a single out here at the end of February. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be the last week of February or the first week of March, okay. but we will have the first single out. And I, from what I've been told is 
somewhere around August, September. Gotcha. Late summer, early fall, we, we will drop the whole album. Well, let me tell you what, Dustin. Um, once the album comes out, I'll promote it on here, and I'll also get you back on. Get with your people. Get, get you back on, and we'll talk exclusively the album. How about that? Oh, man, that would be great. I, I'll really appreciate it. Yeah, man, Dustin, look, I appreciate your hour that you've, uh, you've given me. I'm really gracious for it. I'm grateful for you having me, man. All right, man. Thanks to Dano Seasoning for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. And Dustin, thanks and have a good one. You too, man. All right. Appreciate it, bro. See you later. See you. What's up, man? How you doing, dude? Good. Hey, give me one second. Let me turn my TV off. Good. It used to be my kitchen table, and then uh, COVID happened that. I moved the kitchen table out and set up my booth in my kitchen. Ah, got you. <laughs> hey, whatever works, huh? So you uh, you do that at your house? Is what you do all the videos at your house? Is that kind of where you do everything at? Yeah, yeah. I got some grills outside. This is my little studio. Your little studio. So do you now? Kind of not really jumping in here. I mean, I guess we've already started. But when you're doing the tick, like, are you doing like, because you, you you mentioned that you weren't tech savvy because we were going to do it over Zoom, and I said, you know what, let's just fuck it, let's just FaceTime this thing. And so you mentioned you weren't too tech savvy. So are you doing all the TikToks and putting them up and editing them and all that, or you have people to do that for you? Yeah, I mean, I do have a video team. We got two camera guys, uh, but. You can kind of tell the ones that, like, they shoot, and then you can kind of tell the ones I shoot. But, yeah, for the most part, probably 95% of my videos, it's just me. I got this little stand, and I just turn the light on, turn, put my camera at different angles, shoot it, and then edit, edit it. That's it. So what was, what was the reasoning behind jumping on TikTok? Was it just a new fashion thing? No, uh... Pretty much with Danos, you know, when I started the business in 2017 is when, like, I got my new packaging and stuff. Right. That's when I did my first little flea market and sold, like, 3600 bucks when I was expecting them to do, like, a 1000 you know. So it was like, okay, like, I need to just travel and do these little flea markets and festivals and stuff like that. And uh, so that's what I did literally for the end of 2017, all 2018 and 19. And I doubled my sales each year in revenue, so everything was great. You know, I was on the right path. And uh, basically, March 2020, uh, when, when COVID hit, and uh, we were all the way up in Michigan, we drove eight hours to go to this hunting show. And we're literally like an hour away, and then we get notified that it's canceled. And I was listening to talk radio like the whole drive, and I'm listening to all this, you know, worlds will change and all this stuff. And well, I sample food and I go to these large festivals or flea markets or whatever. And then so all of a sudden it's taken away, and that was my source of income. Like I quit my job bartending and everything. Like I, I was full time pianos. And so when that got taken away, it was literally plan B. What's your plan B? And that was social media. I mean, I was already doing. Facebook. I think in March 2020, I may have had like 12,000 followers on Facebook, like a thousand on YouTube. Uh, my TikTok was probably like 500, and Instagram was like 4,000. And uh, you know, I was I used to watch, uh, well, I still do, Gary Vandercheck. Right. 
at this time, he was like, if you're not, if you got a product and you got a brand and you're not on TikTok, like it's the new like explosion in social media. And it was, you know, he just kept saying, if you're not on TikTok, you're dropping the ball. And so, you know, I would make my YouTube stuff, and my, t- my Facebook stuff, and I was trying to do the TikTok, and it just wasn't working. You know, I need to do $200 a day in sales online to basically hope, hopefully survive, like the whole COVID thing. And uh, I remember one day I did this, you know, I was getting ready to not make a video, and I was just going to make these crab cakes. But I was like, you know what, you know, I'm not having any luck, I'll just do it for the heck of it. I did it like with one hand, like I'm cooking with one hand and I'm shooting in the other. You know what I mean? Didn't put a lot of effort into it at all. Man, it got like, I don't know, 300,000 views or something. And, you know, it was was controversial because I'm putting Danos on crab cakes. and People were like, that's not how you make a crab cake. Where's the whole day? This and that. And so it like created this controversy. But my sales, I remember like that day, like my sales went up to like 800 bucks. In one day, you know, like 80% of the comments were negative. And that, then, uh, you know, I kept doing, I was like, all right, well, I just need to keep making TikToks. So I remember, you know, I go to the store, get all my groceries, get a 12 pack of beer, and I just start making TikToks. And, uh, and then sales just kept kind of climbing. And, uh, you know, slowly all these like negative comments started turned to positive comments because people were actually trying the product and getting their shipments and everybody's like, wow, it really is good. Like that's why he says you don't know until you nano because it really is good. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, I understand what you're trying to do because you're trying to run a business, trying to run it successfully, trying to show that, hey, look, I am going to be something one day because it's what I'm doing. I'm trying to do that, but I'm also trying to survive and it's like, Damn, you got to work two, three, maybe even four jobs to 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 live the dream that you want to do, you know. And it's like, is it really gonna happen? And then once it finally happens, you know, because uh, is it kind of where? Because I, I always say this, and this is not a cocky answer. If it's yes, and it's yes. But my thing was, people would always ask me, "Do you expect the podcast to be where it was at today versus where it was at four years ago?" And I say yes. Only reason I say yes is because I know the drive that I have. I know that no one's going to take this away. Six people may listen, you know, just example. Six people may listen, but guess what? Them six people are what's keeping me driving. You know I mean? It's the same thing with you. You're going to make $200 a week to, to survive and to build a business. Well, that could look like chump change to someone like, you know, Kevin O'Leary or some of them guys on Shark Tank. But that's that $200 that's keeping you driving. It's driving you. It's keeping you wanting to do it more. And you had a vision that you wanted to, you know, you had a vision that... And now it may not be where it's at now in today's term for you, but at least it's way, way better than what it was, you know, four or five years ago when you started it. Yeah. I mean, you got You got to think big. I was just watching something on the TV and the guy was like, if you don't think big, you're never going to be big. You know what I mean? You yeah. Have to, you have to visualize, you have to manifest it. You got to put it out there. And uh, I, I remember like it was yesterday when the idea hit me because I've always been an idea guy. Okay. I got tons of inventions and like, just don't know how to make it work or where to go <laughs> well i didn't have a million dollars all my ideas were like well i need a million dollars right better, i need to make a prototype that costs twenty thousand dollars just to make a prototype and stuff like that and it's like i don't know how to do you know i didn't have any means of money right like when you got these big ideas you gotta have 
a way to start the business. Well, all my ideas were huge. And so I remember, like it was yesterday, going back to 2015 when I was a bartender. And it was like, you know, every day I'm like, oh, God, I got to get out of here. I got to change my life. I got to figure it out. So every day my wheels are spinning about how am I going to, like, own my own business and I don't want to work for anybody. And then it was, <laughs> it's so funny because I made the, I made this seasoning for like 15 years. And the only time I would use it was when I did like bone in skin on chicken. And so I would always make this chicken, bring it into work with me and people would eat it up. They'd be like, oh, how do you make that seasoning? And I'd be like, oh, I had this and this and this together. And, you know, and then I'd bring the little bags in and like give it to people. Still not even thinking to package it and right. sell it when like I'm thinking these huge ideas and here it is like in front of me the whole time. And I remember when it hit me, I was, I came in at five o'clock on Monday. Our shit, we sell until four in the morning in Louisville. So I came in at five o'clock on Monday and there was literally one guy there. He wasn't drinking. He was a pool player. So he was just like killing time watching TV. And I was like, man, I was like, I got some of this chicken. And I was like, you want some? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. And he took one bite. And after he took that first bite, I remember him kind of looking down and he looked up at me. It's kind of like, man, it's the best chicken I've ever had in my life. Why aren't you selling this? And I was like, Danos. Yeah. That's it. And so, like, I had to work this 12-hour shift with this, like, I can't wait to get home. I can't wait to get out here right. and start Googling to figure out how I'm going to start this business. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that that that's when, like, my aha moment happened. That, that, was, that was January 2015. 2015. So a dream from 2015 to 2022, and now you, you know, you follow you on, I followed you since, I don't know, maybe since the first, first year of TikTok, whenever I joined, I saw, saw you doing the chicken thing. And I was like, uh, eh, because you know how many cooks are on TikTok. I mean, these acclaimed cooks. And I'm like, this guy just seems like he doesn't really know what he's doing, but he knows what he wants to do. Like, no, no offense. I'm just saying, like, it was just, he, he got this season and he's like, I like it. It's not Gordon Ramsay shit. It's it's what I want to do. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to do that chicken. I did the chicken. I was like, well, this guy's on to something with this Danos. Not sure what it is. <laughs> but uh, no, dude, we, uh, when you guys, I, I was reaching out to you guys, I've become, finally become a sponsor of the podcast, which I'm so thankful for. But that just means I can get free Danos. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, man. So when you, you have three flavors now, you've got the original, you've got the spicy, and then now you come out with the new hot chipotle. Yeah, go ahead and show it out. Show it. You got the original green cap. You got the spicy, which is the original. It's just uh, got added cayenne pepper. Right. And then you got the, the new chipotle. Gotcha. It's a, I, I say it's a little bit hotter than the spicy, but it's still. Like you know, I, I was gonna bring this up. I disagree. I disagree with the hot chipotle. I don't think it's spicy at all. Maybe it's my taste buds, but I sit there looking at the bottle and I was like, spicy. You know, I don't like too hot, but I like just enough spice where you can taste it. And I was like, okay, the spicy is spicy yeah. for me. Let's try the hot chipotle. See what it is. And I was like, is something wrong with my palate? I was like, the spicy is wait, but. But I'll give you I'll give you one thing, Daniel, with this with the hot chipotle, it puts an extra sweetness in there with that heat and it makes it like a honey barbecue yeah. type of 
heat, and I think and, and, and that that's 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 absolutely delicious in my opinion, man. I mean, obviously you can tell I eat a lot of food, but the hot chipotle is where it's at for me. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's uh, it's really good for like doing chicken wings or ribs yeah. or you know anything barbecue style. The chipotle is where it's at, and if you try it dry, because one the big one of the biggest misconceptions about like seasoning and whatnot. Is everybody thinks like you gotta cook? I, I cook sometimes, not for a few days, but I gotta eat, and everything I'm eating, I literally I sprinkle danos on it, so you don't have to necessarily be cooking with danos to use it. And uh, yeah, but the thing about danos is, as well, for people that you know don't really know what it is, you can't use too much of it. I mean, I'm pretty sure you could. I've, I've never used that like. Like you do, <clears throat> I saw a TikTok today. You put a line, with, you drew a marker or a, a line with a marker on the bottle, and you popped it like yeah. so many odd times. And you're like, look, that's you're using like a thimble full of what you'd be using when you're using this garlic powder over here, and you're using the whole bottle with that many pops. And it's actually true. So, so that makes so maybe you've answered this before, but what makes the seasoning do that? Is there like a certain like secret ingredient that you have that just does that that makes it like not come out that fast like i i don't know i want to know the the scientific behind it it like danos is low sodium right, right. like the salt the salt content in the bottle is right there well salt is what's heavy and dense other than that salt in the bottle all my other ingredients are fluffy plus we got parsley in there like some okay flake parsley right i mean if you saw what one pound of parsley looks like it's like Okay. A lot of parsley, you know what I mean? It'd fill up a shoebox, like one pound of parsley. So pretty much what you're saying is, let me make sure I got this right. Pretty much what you're saying is, with that little bit of salt that's in Dano's, it's helping it come out a lot slower versus other ones that have so much salt in it that it's coming out so much stronger? Or, or... No, it's just all the rest of the ingredients, you know, the, the parsley, the rosemary, the garlic. It's, so it's just like, and the, the parsley kind of lets it like be fluffy. Okay. So like um, this bottle right here, you know, you can see where it's at right now. Right. If I kind of do like that, it'll settle. And you can see it's gone down a little bit. But then if I do like that, it came back. Got out. you. Got you. Because you got that parsley in there that's kind of like just sits in between all the little granules of lemon and orange and garlic and onion, all that. So it's kind of like the parsley's like the what kind of keeps everything fluffy. Got you. Plus parsley, dried parsley has like zero flavor. Right. <laughs> awesome, the awesome thing about parsley, what it actually does is it, it acts as like a flavor absorber. So like when I put this into butter, that parsley, then, you know, it's dry. So right. once it gets wet, it's, it, it's expands and then it kind of latches onto everything. And it holds on all, all that flavor. Like when you put it on shrimp, like that parsley sticks on there with all the flavor. Gotcha. So it's like a flavor sticker. I don't know. Yeah. Damn, dude, you're so intelligent with, with seasonings. <laughs> it's crazy. Hey, when it's your life. It's your life. I mean, I know more about salt than anybody. You know what I mean? Have you read the 99% of people? I don't know if you're into book reading, but there's this book. Um, I don't know the author, but it's a whole book, like a 300 page book about salt. Like the history of yeah. salt, and I found it fascinating. So, I <laughs> but so my next question would be for you, Dano, which would be, you know, 
So you started the business in 17, you said, was when you made your first sale, right? No, uh, 2016. Okay. Well, it's funny because started the business, I registered, I did happen January 2015, registered the business in April, and then I found out at the end of 2015 that I had to pay business taxes for something I never even sold. So I started out $175 in the hole for the business tax that I had. $175,000? What's that? You said $175,000 or $175? No. $175. Oh, okay. I was like, holy shit, what did they do? That's <laughs> like, good God. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a business for owning an LLC. Gotcha. In Kentucky, I don't know if other states are the same, but you got to pay 170 bucks a year. So that was my first mistake registering the business when I didn't have anything to sell, but I just knew I, I was going to do this idea. So I was like, I'm going to take action. And so I didn't actually put Danos into a bottle till like September, I think it was okay. in 2016. So it literally took me like a year and a half of product development, and, you know, cause I didn't know anybody that could help me with anything when it came to figuring all this stuff out. I, Google was my best friend. Like, I just right. had to figure it out. And uh, so, yeah, 2016, so I came out with the – let me show you the package. Okay. Hang on. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. 2016, September. This isn't the actual label, but it looks just like it. Okay. You can see, like it said, Dan O's. A lot of people were pronouncing it as like Dan O's or Don Got you. No in, in between the O. And, you know, it was just very generic looking, you know what I mean? Very uh -huh. like farmer's market looking. Right. And so that was uh, like September 2016. And I got it into like a couple mom and pop grocery stores. I was probably in like 10 total grocery stores, not Kroger's or anything like that, just mom and pop stuff. And uh, basically I would go like demonstrate the product, like go cook some chicken or potatoes or whatever and sample it. And people would pick it up and read the ingredients, and they'd be like, oh, it's got sugar in it. No thanks. You know what I mean? Right. And I'm like, yeah, but the sugar, like, doesn't even cover the bottom of the bottle. Like, it's hardly any. Like, it actually, on the nutrition panel, it says zero sugar, but on the ingredients, it's the last ingredient because it doesn't even register on the nutrition panel because it's so, so, so such a small amount. Mm -hmm. The only reason I put it in there is because that's how I made my original recipe. I used, used to do a pinch of sugar. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So basically after about a month of being in these stores, I figured out why people, you know, to me, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, this is the best season on the planet. Like everybody needs to know about this. So if I'm out there, you know, I'm putting my blood, sweat and tears into this product and I don't want anybody to turn it down for any reason. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm like, why well, cut the sugar out? And then I actually reduced the sodium a little bit because it was 100 milligrams and I reduced it down to 50. And so that's when I, and it took me about eight, nine months to do like the repackaging stuff. So it was literally like a two and a half year deal because it wasn't until June 1st, 2017 that I came out with not this packaging, but it looks just like it. Right. Okay. And so, and that's when I came out with that. And that was when I was like, all right, now I've done the work. And, you know, I built built the awesome product. It's where, exactly where it needs to be. It's low sodium. It's no sugar, no chemicals. Like, I, when I started it, 
I didn't start it to be low sodium, no sugar, no chemicals. It was just, it just happened. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was my, my niche that I carved out. And I'm like, it was so funny because when I actually put this original label, it says low sodium real small. Mm -hmm. But I called the store after I delivered like eight cases to them. And I was like, hey, uh, hang on to that. Don't put it on the shelf yet because I'm not sure I can say low sodium on the front of the label. Because I was like, why is no other company doing it? Why am I the only one using low sodium as a selling point? You know what I mean? Mm. Like I'm literally like was the like the only one out there, and I'm like, I gotta be doing something wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, all that like time figuring stuff out, and then I went like I said in 2017, June 1st is when I got my new packaging, and so I went and did this uh, flea market in town. Uh, and it was like, you know, cost 130 bucks to set up. And I'm like, I need to sell a thousand bucks. You know what I mean? Right. And I sold like 3,600 bucks. And I was like, okay. Like, you know, I figured out how to set my booth up better, how to demonstrate the product better. Like, as I went on, did like the next show and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, man, that's, you know, I've had all these like moments, like aha moments. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, my first aha moment was the guy tried the chicken. Like, why aren't you selling this? Right. And I'm like, damn. My second aha moment was basically that show where I'm like, okay, this is what I'll do. I'll quit my job. I'll travel the country every weekend. I'll be somewhere putting Daniels on a toothpick. You know what I mean? And I'll go sell my 3000 5000 bucks, and I'll survive, and I'll keep putting the money back into the business. I'll be able to live off of a little bit of income. And uh, so that was kind of like my second like moment. But the third one is the best. Okay. Right? The third one was the, the, I did the flea market and I was successful. Well, the next show that I did was the Kentucky State Fair. Okay. And so this was like a 10-day show. I was there for 14-hour days, 10 days straight, like I was a zombie. But I did what I had to do and I sold like 10,000 bucks. But the aha moment was when I remember this little old lady came up and she's like taking a sample and she's eating it. I was sampling on like mashed potatoes and cucumbers and tomatoes because I was so new to it. I didn't want to like do raw chicken and all that stuff. I just wanted something. That right. Right. Plan it smart. Do, do efficiently. And so I remember this old little old lady, she came up and she's like eating these mashed potatoes and she's like, that's dang good. And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, it's low sodium, it's no <laughs> sugar, no chemicals. And she's like, no, it's damn good. And I was like, yeah, you know, these bottles are five bucks. Get two of them for, you know, whatever. And she's like, you're not listening. And she's like looking at the sign behind me. And she's like, damn good. And I was like, oh. I got you. <laughs> right. And then I was like, Dano Mike, fantastic. You don't know till you Dano. And then, like, I put this together, you know what I mean? I'm like, I need to put all these sayings, like, in my booth, you know what I mean? And, like, that's how we, and that was like, okay, not only do I have the best seasoning on the market, I believe, right? but now you give me, like, this firepower of, like, the name Danos and all these Dan puns, like, it's, it's meant to be, you know what I mean? It's like things happen for a reason. Yeah. So there's there's so much I want to ask you, but the limited time that we have, Dan, so I'm just gonna narrow it down here. So yeah. question would be one, what I asked about the you know, the first time you had a sale because I was wondered 
the first year that you went on the market officially, started selling Danos, what did you make that year? A full 365-day year. I told you I did. This was 2016, like September. Right. And I think I had like $16,000 was 2016 revenue. Okay. And then 2017 was like 40000 Okay. Yeah, because I spent all that all that time like I didn't repackage till June first, two thousand seventeen. Right. So I did basically like my forty thousand dollars like in the last part of the year. So it was like forty thousand dollars, and then two thousand eighteen I did like one twenty. In two thousand nineteen I did uh, like two hundred and ten, and my goal was to do five hundred thousand in twenty twenty. And I was off to an awesome start. I mean, I remember I, I was already through January and February, and I had like $120,000. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was on my path. Like, I, you know, I maybe I was going to do more than $500,000 in 2020, and then COVID hit, and then I had to, I couldn't make my money. And I, that's when I went social media. And so now we ended up doing uh, $2 million in 2020. Ooh. And then last year we did uh, six point two million. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I was expecting like I was. It went like this. <laughs> I was I was expecting some kind of anticlimactic answer. That was like holy crap! That was just you were like okay. I was thinking, yeah, we've pulled about one point six. Did you pull out a six million digit? I'm like holy crap! But yeah, man. It's good seasoning. It's good seasoning. That's right. It's damn good, man. Uh, <laughs> so, a couple more things, and I'll let you go. I'll give you about 10 minutes, um, and uh, we'll get you out of here, Dan. What was the feeling like when you were packaging it in like a little storage unit place, and then you go to this big giant? Now you got this. You were texting me this morning. You said, Man, we can do it today. I'm going to the office. And the office. First, the office now versus the office then. What does that feel like? It's awesome. Yeah. All right. Now we have we have two we have two offices. We have over fifty employees now. We have a corporate office with uh, I think there's about twenty people that work out of the corporate office. Yeah. And then we have the warehouse. That I think we have about twelve people, and then we got a lot of people that work in different cities and stuff, like salesmen. So when it comes to TikTok, you have any TikTok buddies that are on TikTok as well? Like I seen earlier, was it today or yesterday? You were doing the guy that does the cream chez or the, that says the chez yeah. really weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just somebody I met through TikTok. Really? Yeah. He one day bought the seasoning, made a video, and was like, "It really is good." And uh, you know, he was just like, "I bought it with my own money. He didn't give it to me. I tried it. It's awesome." And then we started. You know, we do our little affiliate. Right. Pay them a little bit of money. When you when when you look at TikTok then versus now, obviously you have. I think we had like two million followers, something like that. Last time I checked, when you had four hundred and two million, kind of what's the percentage of those that? I don't know. It's probably kind of a hard question, but what's the percentage of those two million versus how many? of those people are like repeat sellers. I think our, our repeat, we have repeat 
buyers, it's actually like a crazy number. It's like over 30%. Okay. Which is, that's like really good for any product, you know, product based. You know, I think our conversion rates like 4%, which is crazy good. You know, most websites average like two. And then, uh, yeah, our repeat, our return customer is like over 30%. So that's, that's crazy good. Crazy good. Last couple of questions for you. First question is, when you're doing these type of interviews, I don't know if you've done many interviews or many podcasts, but what's the one question you know that you're going to get in an interview, no matter what form of interview it is? The one question you know you're going to get as Dan up. What, what, what made me want to make a seasoning is what everybody asks. <laughs> what made you want to start a seasoning company? You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> when you think about it, like all my friends and stuff, you know, when I told people, oh, I'm starting this seasoning company, like people were like, good luck. But were you the, but were, but were you the type of person that would always say, okay, I'm starting a business and would start it and then would fall off because it didn't make anything or not? Or was it just like your first venture out? You mentioned you had all these ideas. Yeah, well, I had a uh, one idea that I actually spent like fifteen hundred dollars on. It was a disposable toothbrush idea. Okay. I wanted to. This was back in like my single days when I would crash on a buddy's couch or something, and I would wake up and be like, "Man, I wish I had a toothbrush." You know what I mean? So I sure. had this idea: if you could put like a toothbrush into the size of like a chapstick where you like break the seal, open it up, pull it out, and then like attach it. And then you got this long toothpaste or toothbrush with like one-time application. You use it and throw it away. You know what I mean? But it sits in your pocket like a chapstick, like you don't even know it's there. So that was my idea. That's not a bad idea, though, that I'm sitting there thinking. I'm like, Damn. many times I've forgotten a toothbrush. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> well, what happened is I spent $1,500 on market analysis with this company called Invent Health. And it was like, I literally got a paperback book that was, uh, bless you. No, thank you. That was like 60 pages long. Right. You know, just breaking down my market and everything. And then, well, the next step was I needed like $16,000 to make a prototype. And that's where I was like, I don't know. <laughs> you know. I remember talking to my dad. He's like, you know, I can give you like, couple thousand bucks you know what i mean but mm-hmm. i'm like well that ain't gonna cut it you know what i mean yeah what so that, was, that was the only venture that i actually like tried to do and i was like i'm gonna do this and you know it's a great idea and just you know i didn't have the money to do it yeah what's one question or one topic that you never get asked about and you're like i wish today these people would ask me about this question because i never get it or it's on my mind all the time Putting you on the spot here, Dano. <laughs> What's that? I said yeah. I'm putting you on the spot here. I don't know. I guess, you know, like what's it really take to like be successful entrepreneur? You know what I mean? I think about that stuff all the time. And I'm like, people don't know how hard I grinded and like, you know, because I basically sacrificed like relationships and everything. Like I was married in my business. Yeah. And like people don't know like how hard it really was. Like there for three years, like I grinded. You know what I mean? Like I cry myself to sleep sometimes. You know, I mean, seriously, it was like a grind. 
Yeah, no, I understand. Let me ask you this, because I have this problem still today, man, and because uh, I'm trying, I'm still trying to make, it. I'm still trying to bust through them walls and right. be something, you know, break out of the. But sometimes I feel that you know, because growing up we were middle class, low class, whatever you want to call it, and we were always, how are we going to pay today's bill? If we pay this next week, we're not going to have any food in the fridge or whatever. Sometimes it feels easier just to take a step back and just be like, you know what? I'm used to that. So why don't I just stop what I'm doing and just struggle the rest of my life? Because I've done it for 24 years and it's way hell of a lot easier than not making no money, still living at home, trying to, you know, still trying to survive and take this business that I wanted and put it in the right direction. And it's also like, what damn direction do I go? Is it left? Is it right? You know? Yeah. We just got deep here all of a sudden, didn't we? <laughs> you know, I was going to say, were you asking me a question? Just... <laughs> no, yeah, the question the question was, did you ever feel that way where you just like, you know, and I could give up and I won't be happy with myself, but at least it'll be easier. Dude, it, the travel in the country, going to these little flea markets, you know, it will wear you down being on your feet all day long like i never put a chair behind my booth i never sat down you know what i mean i was always on my feet come home go play golf go out with friends and then wednesday comes around i gotta pack up and do it all over again yeah <laughs> i couldn't tell you how many times i was how many times i was like oh i can just skip this one but i was like oh you only got a hundred dollars in your bank account maybe you need to go do it you know what i mean yeah like, all my money was always reinvested back into the product. Always. Always. You know, I, was, I, I say one day I'm going to write a book called 100 Overdrafts Later because it was literally like that. You know what I mean? It was, I have to go do this. I can't let myself down. You know what I mean? One day I won't have to work this hard. Is what I always kept telling myself. Right. One day I won't. I'll look back at this and, like, it was all worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And right now, you can think about it. Was it worth it? You you may not have you may not be as rich as you want to be. I mean, shit, I don't even. But what I'm saying is, but are you happy where you're at now? Obviously, you you want to get better. But from where you see a standpoint, I'm very happy with it because you know now that I look at it, I look at like everybody that works at Danos loves it. Yeah, like we got this thing. Me and my partner and I like we, you know. We want to pay somebody that works at Danos 20% more than they would get in that same job anywhere else. Because we want them to be happy forever and be here and love their job. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so just to like see like the family that we kind of have at Danos is just like, I think they, I think everybody loves the, their job. And uh, it's, you know, to me, it's just what I do. I don't consider it a job. You know what I mean? People are like, well, do you ever feel like when you're making your videos that it's a job now? Not really. Like, I enjoy doing it. No, I always say this, and I'm pretty sure you could, you know, relate to it as well, is can you imagine how hard you're going when you're not making anything versus the hard work you're going to do when you start making money? Like, that. that's the mindset that a lot of people should have is the grind that you have not making money, imagine that grind what's going to happen in 10 years when you are making that money. That grind is going to just keep getting stronger and stronger. Well, 
to me, it's it's never going to stop. Yeah, right. It's six million dollars last year. Now we want to do forty. You know what I mean? It's like it's just you know. I always tell myself, me and my partner, we got like the same mindset. Like we think about things the same. He's the wizard behind the curtains. I'm the one you see on TV. You know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> but but we always say, and like I've been saying this ever since the beginning. But I always say this is only the beginning. Right. You know what I mean? Because it is. Like, yeah, we got a successful business now, but now we want to have 200 employees by the end of the year, not 50. You know what I mean? And then the next year we want to have 1,000. You know what I mean? We want to, we want to like, dominate and disrupt the whole market, like, take over and be the number one seasoning in the country. Well, man, look. You guys got my vote for that. I love, I love Dan. I've been talking about it on the podcast ever before, like years before I even had you on the show. Before you guys become uh, affiliate, I'm before you become sponsor of the podcast. So you guys got my vote. You can, uh, Dano, you are at at Dano Seasoning everywhere, right? Because I looked up Dano's, and there is like a there's another Dano's type of thing. I don't know what that is. It was like you got to go to Dano Seasoning. I was like, okay, cool. So it's Dano Seasoning. On all social media, danoseasoning.com. Uh, guys, if you want to do that, you can use my promo code. It's going to be down in the bottom. I got to plug that in real quick. <laughs> uh, that's going to be down in the bottom. Always on the episode is going to be the Dano's website with the promo code. Dano, I appreciate you joining me. That We did almost an hour. Uh, I've been trying to keep it that long, but I appreciate your time on here, brother. Really do. Well, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Okay. I'm good, man. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for joining me on here, dude. Oh, dude, no, no worries, man. So, uh, bro, I've been trying to get you on for a long time. I, I never knew how because for a while there you didn't have any contact, you know, on websites and stuff like that. So a little, yeah. little behind the scenes of how podcasts work. If I don't reach out, you know, to you specifically on Instagram, the best way to get in contact with artists like this is through basically their website. And so yeah. you were on my top songs of the year last year with Boy from Anderson oh, County. Yeah. And so I and Honest to God, man, I never knew who I didn't know who you were to, to last year because a lot of people were on my Facebook and stuff, and they were like, or Instagram, and they were like, "Man, this Colby Cooper guy, this is where it's at." I was like, "Who the fuck is Colby Cooper? Who 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 is this guy?" You know, and then yeah. your your song popped up on my TikTok feed. It was like a thirty second clip or something, and it was "Boy from Anderson County," and I said, "Oh shit." Okay, here we are. I, I get it now. So, brother, yeah. <laughs> that is uh that's pretty cool because it and I, and I want to say this, and I'm trying to use the right words, like I'm 24, you're you're like 22, 23, something like that. So it's cool to see, and it's also jealousy to see these people that are younger than me just like grow, like you know, they grew up Hello. in like very small townish, like I did. And they're like killing it. <laughs> hey, dude, sorry. I just didn't hear anything you just said. I lost you for a second. You, you froze. You didn't hear nothing I said? Okay. No, I okay, heard the cool. uh, very first word. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, if, if that 
keeps happening, man. They're working on like our power lines and shit here. So it's probably screwing with my internet. If that is, then uh, yeah. I'll just hop off and I'll jump on my iPad or something if it keeps going like that. Okay. Um, but what I was hey, saying about how long uh, do you think the podcast will take? Uh, 30, 45 minutes. Okay. Okay. That's, that's good. I, I just in 45 minutes and, and like a ride at like 45, 50 minutes. My uh, wife's got to go do some shit and I got to watch the girls. Okay. So no, you're good. You're so. good. I, I'll keep the timer on. I got this. I'm I'm I, I'm not the type of person that's going to say, okay, I'll keep you on for 45 and then I have you for an hour and a half. I, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> hey, no worries, man. I'd love to fucking sit for two hours and talk. I just, it's fucking no. a nightmare when I'm home. Man, my nephews, we we don't raise our nephews, but they pretty much live here. You know, they live right down the hill. So they're like always here. And they're one's one's about to be three and the other one's like nine or 10 months old. And dude, it's crazy. It's crazy trying to do podcasts in the studio because you can hear them every now and then like they're outside now. But I'm just like, man, you got to keep them quiet a little bit. Oh, that's, that's what I was telling uh, my manager earlier. I was like, yeah, dude, from now on, let's fucking try to make anything at Zoom on the bus. That way I don't have to fucking keep the girls quiet because it is, I mean, they're good right now, but fucking some, you know, some days kids can be a nightmare. <laughs> but what I was saying before, before we uh, got disconnected here was it's always cool to me. And there's always a little bit of jealousy when I see people younger than me, like just kind of, <laughs> get on this scale and they know exactly where they want to go. And like, they just kind of, cause you're blowing up right now. I don't know if you know that, but like, I mean, you've had over a hundred and something million streams on your songs. I mean, this, a lot of people will go, I've had 2 million streams on, that doesn't mean shit. I, I mean, let's be honest. If you got 2 million streams, that just means 2 million out of one chances it landed on it. But to have over a hundred yeah. million streams, that means somebody's listening to your stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely uh, it's it's always funny to hear that number because I mean you know I, I remember <laughs> that we released our first single and at the end of the day it being at like two hundred and twenty five streams and we were super excited about it you know and so yeah. it's funny to see how far it's come since then. Well, look, uh, not going to do an introduction here, but uh, for guys that don't know who Colby Cooper is, here is his song and I'm going to play it real quick, Colby, if you don't mind. I'm going to play a little bit of uh, "Boy from Anderson County." Here we go. She made me better, she made me stronger She made me want this dream so bad She made me wish that forever It wasn't all the time we had She showed me every single thing I didn't know about me And I thank God every day that that girl found me She made a plan made a choice they made a man out of a boy from anderson county bruh i love that dude <laughs> i love that shit so much like i i really do like i can i will be sitting and i will be washing dishes and i'll be going she made me better she, i'll be <laughs> it's the jam dude, man. That and, and that's that's 100 real man i've said it all the time like this guy boy from anderson county is legit so how did yeah dude it's Obviously, it's, it's a, a fucking, obviously it's a biopic song, like it's a song yeah. about your life. So kind of I know you've answered this a million times and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to ask some questions that you haven't been asked before. But kind of how did that song yeah. come about? So um, the, I, I wrote it with my buddy Jordan Walker, who I write with a bunch. And he, he hit me up and he was like, I have this this song idea, uh, whatever. And it was it was close. 
but I was like, man, like, how about boy from Anderson County? Like, that's like, that's where I'm from. Like, I think that's, that's a sick title. If we, if we can, you know, just write about me, you know, kind of growing up there and meeting my wife and, and kind of what that's turned into with us being married now and having two kids and, you know, I, I guess starting a life, you know, as high school sweethearts and it's, uh, you know, a, a thousand percent true story, which is funny every time, uh, you know, someone asks, they're like, wow, you really are married with two kids this young. Like, that's crazy. And I'm like, yeah, no, I wasn't fucking lying. I just told the truth, you know? Is it crazy to say that you're married with two kids such young? Like, because I know a lot of people, like, there, there was a couple at my school, man. I graduated 16, 2016, mm-hmm. something like that. And there was this couple that were married in, in like, 2014. And I was like, Jesus Christ, they're, they're, they're starting a little young, huh? <laughs> Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's definitely crazy, but I knew, uh, you know, so I, I, me and my wife have been best friends since, uh, fourth grade, uh, and I always wanted to date her, but she never would, and then finally senior year, she, you know, we started dating, and I knew that whenever that happened, I never wanted anything else, so I was, I was pretty content, I was excited to start a family, you know, so, but we were 18 when we had our first daughter, uh, or we were 18 when we got pregnant, and then 19 when we had her, and we got married, uh, right before we had her, and, uh, you know, then a year and a half later, we had our second daughter, Charlie, you know, and here I am 22 with two kids and, you know, hopefully going to start working on number three before the end of the year. It's, you know, it's definitely crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. But I mean, it's, it's funny, too, because like uh, my publisher in Nashville, uh, when I when I first met him, uh, he had just had his first daughter and I just had my first daughter. Like they're literally, I think, I think two days apart uh, or maybe even a day apart. Um, and he's 43 or 42 and I'm 22. So we were 20 years difference. And now we both have two girls and we're living like Ooh. the same family life. I'm just, you know, 20 years younger. And it's like, I'll be 42 and I'll, you know, it'll be just me and my wife, at the house, and he'll be, I guess, you know, 62. I'm just, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a very thought out process is why I've done it so young. I like to think so at least. See, I see myself like, like, like your friend there, to be like 45 having your first kid like just because just because and I, I know everybody's different everybody is different like so there are some people that are like success to me is to have a wife and kids or a husband and kids and I'm like that's good but for me it's like I don't want to starve like I did growing up <laughs> uh, no dude I, yeah. I feel that man that's you know when when we first I guess had our our, our first daughter Josie it was definitely a struggle uh, I mean, my wife was was working and going to college and I was working and going to college and playing music. And then I stopped going to college and uh, was just working full time and or I guess working for my grandpa as full time as I could. But he'd let me off whenever I had shows. So, you know, I'd normally be off Friday and Saturday playing shows and come back, you know, take Sunday to try and recover from being up all night nights and then get up at 6 a.m. Monday morning to go to work. And it was it was definitely a struggle for for at least a year, but I mean, we were pretty fortunate to for it to start picking up uh, pretty quick. And now, you know, she's a stay-at-home mom, and I only play music, so it's pretty, it's pretty crazy, man. It has to be that feeling of my wife can stay home, take care of the kids. I don't have to have another job. I don't have to. I mean, I can go to college if I want to, but playing music is now keeping a roof over their heads, keeping them fed, giving them clothes oh. to wear. Like I just, I can't imagine that feeling. You know, just because damn what three years, probably, if you're thinking, if you're thinking logically three years. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I mean, 
it's it's really it's really a surreal feeling you know i'm not, obviously nowhere near where where any yeah. of us want to be but just to be able to say that you know we're, we're doing good and it's, it's it's you know everybody's happy and it's uh whatever that is it's it's exciting man it's uh very very blessed and very thankful but uh you know just got to work work for it you know so here's a here's a cool question for you that i kind of want to see the background of so when you released boy from Anderson county the ep right that's the title of it that was yeah. with broken bow and wheelhouse yeah. now it says yeah. <clears throat> in partnership with combustion music now you release combustion you release your other eps through combustion music correct yeah. so exactly yeah. tell me the behind the scenes for me and everyone else that may not know what exactly that means when a broken bow when a bigger label is in partnership with an, like an independent group so it's it's just like a I mean combustion is was my publishing company and early on they paid for uh the second EP and uh a couple songs from, so we, we had volume one done uh we had uh good ones never last all the way out and then uh I signed a publishing deal at combustion and they were like you know hey let, let us pay for these and we were just like sick and they paid for three sides on the deluxe version of good ones never last and then volume two and then uh we you know took this whole operation and we partnered it with uh broken bow and that's where we are now and we're about you know we're getting ready to release uh, our, our another you know i guess some more music in the near future and um yeah i guess it's it's basically that it just came from you know started with just us and then combustion and then added all that together with broken bow i mean it's crazy like you, you got broken bow i mean there's what there's jason aldean dustin lynch those guys like that that you probably grew up thinking these guys are my heroes and now i'm kind of on the same label as they are man it, it's 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 definitely cool uh you know to be a, a a texas guy with you know that's that's you know doing it you know i when when people listen to your music and i was polling some people on my social medias and i was like they were kind of half and half between traditional country and this newish country, right? Which, which I like to call pop country basically is what it is. Yeah. So you were kind of a mix of both. And a lot of people, a lot of people work like, like a lot. I see a lot of people complain a lot, like, Oh, you shouldn't play, you know, Thomas red on the radio. And then I, I get this argument with them and I say, okay, Take wrestling, for example. I'm a big wrestling nerd. I'm a mark for wrestling. And I go, wrestling has changed since the 1800s. Damn, since the 90s. Like, and, and it hasn't died out. It's one of the biggest, you know, WWE is one of the biggest ticket-selling businesses out there. And it's like, it has to change in order for it to, to, to stay relevant and not die out, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely, man. That's, I mean you know, whatever my music is, is what it is. I just go in and make music that I fuck with. And, uh, right. That's what it is. You know, I'm not trying to hit any lane. I'm just, uh, you know, it just happens to come out country, right. You know, if, yeah. if it came out, you know, as rock, it'd be rock. If it came out as hip hop, it'd be that, you know, it's just, that's just what it naturally comes out for me. Um, so I'm not like trying to, what I'm just trying to make shit that, that pleases me and that, uh, I love, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make music I love because it's what I'm going to be playing every night. Well, it, it would be hell on earth if you put 
your stuff out there according to what people wanted it to be. Cause you're going to, you're going to piss, you're going to piss at least one person off anyway. So what's the matter? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, I think if, if you can look back at your music at the end of the day and really appreciate what you did, uh, great. And then if you can do that and at the same time have fans appreciate it and love it, then it's just, you know, then you're doing something right. Right. So do a couple of things here real quick since we're short on time here. I want to talk about two of your biggest streaming songs, which surprisingly wasn't Boy from Anderson County. I thought that would be up there, but it's actually a lot of your um, your earlier stuff. Like here is a little bit of Fall. Fall with me Yeah, you never know where this one might lead Which I think is the jam. So when I play these songs back. I see a smile on your face. What's going through your head as you hear these songs? Because obviously you've heard them thousands more times than everyone else has. Yeah, man. Uh, So fall, it's funny. uh, That came out on our Good Ones Never Last album. And I I wrote it whenever I was uh, 16. I started it. And then I finished it when I was 17. I was a senior in high school. I was dating my wife. And it was kind of like the first song that I wrote for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we put out our volume one EP and it just, it didn't make it on there. Uh, we picked five different songs, whatever. And I just, I didn't know what we were going to do with it. And then we wound up needing a couple more songs for the good ones never last uh, album. And we're like, well, hell, let's just, let's just throw this shit on there. And it wound up being the biggest song off that album. And, you know, one of our biggest in general. So if you're playing a show, how long does your show usually last? I know it varies between what venues you're playing, but just just in general. Yeah. Uh, so if we're headlining, uh, you know, it's typically like a 90 minute set, but a lot of times we'll play like 105 minutes or not. We'll play like 95 to 105 minutes, uh, just depending on the flow of the set and the crowd and everything, you know. So a lot of people do this differently, and I want to know where, where your stance is. So when you're making a set list, are you do you do you use the same set list throughout every show or does it like you like you mentioned does it depend on the crowd yeah well uh sometimes it depends on the crowd uh but we have a we have a set that we follow and we you know sometimes we'll change some songs around but we normally follow it pretty pretty to a t but yeah there's definitely some nights we'll add in another song or we'll take a song out just depending on how it feels you know where does fall land in that set list fall is like I would say right at the three quarter mark. Cause okay. after that, it's like fall, it ain't me. Uh, excuses in two words. Where does Boy from Anderson County end up? Like, is that like halfway through? It's right before fall. We hear oh, two okay. songs and then it's just like fuck you songs. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting. I love just the stories about how like people, how they work their magic because I went and saw kiss, you know, uh, yeah. late last year. And it's crazy how their show is. It's like a play. Like they say this, Paul says the same thing to Gene. Gene says the same thing to Tommy and they play each yeah. song. There's no, like they don't play one song for five minutes. And then the next night they play it for four and a half. It's like, it's all planned out just like the Eagles. Like, so yeah. I, I love to hear those stories about how, you know, some people just have, fuck it, you know, who cares? Let's just play the songs we want to play, you know? 
No, absolutely. And that's, that's the thing. It's, it's funny. There's so many different ways you can put a set together. There's like the most garage band way of just fucking, you know, calling out what song you want to play right before you play it. And then there's like, you can go as far this way as you want to have like the whole theatrical setup with, you know, a bunch of costumes and a bunch of dancers and all that. It's, and, you know, it's, and it's just a very, very wide spectrum with a bunch of stuff in between. And it's just, you know, it's really interesting. You can watch, you know, some two bands, that have a completely different set play for 60,000 people a piece. It doesn't matter, but those 60,000 people really love each of those yeah. bands, you know? <laughs> what album are you listening to right now? Man. The, uh, the new Oliver tree album. Oh man. Yeah. You know, I'm listening. I, I'm, I'm listening. I don't know if you know, Morgan Wade. I'm listening to her oh, new yeah. album. Reckless. Let me tell you something. I will listen to it. I've never smoked pot, never done any type of drug in my life. But I imagine if I did, that would what that was what I'd be listening to. <laughs> Hell yeah, man! No, she she's a fucking she's a badass, man. That that album is great. Album is great, yeah. So you grew up in East Texas, is that right? Anderson County. Where where exactly is That's that at right. in Texas? So I grew up in Bradford, Texas, okay. uh, which is right in between Palestine and Athens. Uh, for people that know anything about Texas and for people that don't and just know major cities, I'm an hour and a half southeast of Dallas. Well, you know, I don't really travel a lot, but I, my dad back in the day, he used to, him and my uncle used to own a, like a camper trailer business and they would have to, people would buy campers and they would take them, you know, they would use a truck and they would take it to different States. I remember I drove to Texas once with my dad Oh, you talk about trees. That's all you see. <laughs> oh, dude, it, it is. And, you know, funny enough, if you drive into Texas, you know, from the east side, you'll only see trees. But if you keep going straight about four or five hours, you'll get to where you see nothing but just flat desert. You know, it, it's funny. Yeah, it was trees. And then like a couple hours later, it was like, OK, we're like in the damn you know the sahara desert here just like 30 minutes later <laughs> yeah, man, it's, it's weird it's real weird it's real weird so what when you were growing up what was the type of music that you were listening to because I, I, I was watching some interview or you know doing my research and you had mentioned that your dad you would drive around the farm truck with your dad and he would put on this music so what type of music was yeah. that he was listening to Man, it was it was first it was it was Waylon Jennings, which is why I have the the Waylon on my okay. arm, uh, and that he's still my like my all time favorite man. Well, I, I can see that signed picture you got up there uh, above your left yeah. shoulder. Yeah, exactly. It's fucking. He's the shit, man. <laughs> uh, so it was like Waylon first, and then it was you know following that like the the Highway Man and Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson, and Christopherson, and then, you know, the 90s, and, like, Chris Ledoux, and Alan Jackson, and George Strait, I mean, any, any country that you could find is what I was listening to uh, as a kid, <laughs> and then when I was in, like, fourth grade, I think, uh, my dad got me an Ozzy Osbourne CD, and that was when, like, it, it started the whole rock thing for me, it was when I fell in love with rock, so I I've always the country and rock have always been my favorite two genres. I know there's a million sub genres of them, but as far as I guess main genres go, I love all music, but those two have always stood out to me. And starting in fourth grade, I, I got into Ozzy and like all this 80s hair metal. And then in seventh grade, I got into to Nirvana and I have the smiley face on my wrist. Yeah. Like, it, you know, and I've, I've, I've really gone through as many 
I guess genres as you can as far as rock and country go and that's about all I've listened to man see same here like when I was growing up it was nothing but country music and then I found classic rock I found Ozzy and Aerosmith and I found the hair metal and I said whoa like it opened up a whole new world to you like because you're like all you've heard is boot scoop boogie and you've heard that for the rest of your life when you hear that there's actually a world different out there you go yeah whoa you know and it's crazy to see that the 90s that nirvana came in kurt cobain came in and with dave grohl and and they just demolished the hair metal like there was no more hair metal anymore and it's like i don't think we've had that since then you know like just just a a band or an artist come in and just create a whole new subgenre for a genre. Yeah, no, absolutely, dude. It's it's and I'm I'm such a big music guy. Like I love everything about it as far as the history and yeah. Every, I try to learn everything about it I can, and it's so interesting. So it's you know, it's taken me down so many rabbit holes and introduced me to so many new kinds of music, like. I mean, even just this year, I've, I've gotten into so many different bands, just, you know, being on the road so much. I'll sit in the back, just fucking plug my headphones in and just <laughs> lay there, go down these rabbit holes, just, you know, doing whatever. You know, I had, um, speaking of Waylon Jennings, I had Way Jennings on, which is, uh, I think, the grandson of Waylon. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. And this guy has like a phenomenal story. Like, he's like, because one of my favorite artists is Shooter Jennings. Like, I, I love yeah. like a sh- the Gunslinger, man. That album kicks ass, dude. I love I love the Gunslinger. But he was telling me, you know, I uh, had someone on, and they were telling me the story about how Waylon Jennings would, he had a gate outside of his house, and all these people would stop, and they would take pictures of the Waylon Jennings house, and they were trying to catch a glimpse of Waylon Jennings, and he had – come out there and he was like flipping them off and cussing them off just just being funny just trying to make people laugh and i was like that's one of the greatest stories <laughs> Dude, that's awesome that's badass i'm sure they would love that man Dude, so you have a lot of tattoos and you've mentioned you've got the the Waylon, you've yeah. got the nirvana what was your first tattoo my first tattoo is this one so this is a, a shitty Roman numeral. I got it after. Uh, so it's it's my first daughter Josie. It's her it's her birthday. Uh, so I got it after or right. We were playing some show in Houston, uh, and I just looked at my manager. I was like, "Hey, dude, find us a tattoo shop. I want to get tattooing." He's like, "All right." He just looked up and found the first one, and we went. It was some shitty tattoo shop, and I mean they did a well, I guess a decent job, whatever, but it was my first tattoo and it's a little bit fucked up and I'll always remember that, dude. But it, call, it cost you, it cost you $15 in a tetanus shot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, that was my, that was my first one. And I just had that one for like two years, probably. And then in August of 2020, I got this, this was my second tattoo. And since then I've gotten the rest of them and you know, I've got, I've got a lot of them, dude. I mean, I guess I've got a lot. I've got like, like, 12 maybe i gotta get more I, I, i've been wanting more dude it's just it's so hard to to uh make time to get back to get some you know yeah it's what's the most what's the one that means the most to you the one that means the most is probably uh either this one it says curse october it's a song that i, I wrote for my dad 
uh, who passed away when I was I was fourteen, right. or I mean, either one of my daughter's birthdays. I mean, but it probably probably is Curse October one. I'll be honest with you, Kobe. When I when I look at you just from the chest up, right? We're doing this. Yeah. You don't seem like a person that would be covered in tattoos, and it reminds me of like Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran, yeah. you would, just with his face, he is he's like covered from like his neck all the way down, his back all the way down. It's like it's crazy, but but tattoos have a story. Like I, I wouldn't imagine yeah. someone would just get a tattoo just for the just for the crap of it, just to get like a a lizard on them, just say I got a tattoo. Like oh. you know, so it's cool to know that they all have a story that means something to you. Yeah. Absolutely. Even, even the ones that don't really mean something, they mean something, you know, like, uh, that's what I was telling somebody the other day. Cause they were like, so what, what do all these tattoos mean something to you? And I was like, man, I think most of them do. And I was like, I'm sure some don't though. And I was looking around, I was like, man, honestly, all of them, if I, if I look at them, I think about them for a minute, they all do mean something to me, you know? <laughs> and I think subconsciously I've, I've, I've gotten them without realizing that they, they do mean something. You're like, I got this, like, I don't know. I just got a bunch of whatever, but you know what I mean? <laughs> Like, I think, I think that like whatever you get is going to mean something to you, even if you don't think it's going to, I mean, unless, I mean, I don't know, maybe if you get something real fucking dumb, it won't, but. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. I want to get a tattoo and I'm like, but it has to mean so much to me because, but then the thing is, what if, what if like you see people that probably got like a, a Bill Cosby joke tattooed on them and the fool they look like (laughs) now, like that's my fear. (laughs) You know, there's also all the people who like, I'm, I'm obviously a diehard Yankees fan, but I'm, I would never in my life get like Yankees 2025 world champions tattooed on me. That's crazy. That's crazy. And there's the people, yeah, exactly. The people that'll be like, Oh, they're going to win this year, dude. I'm getting a tattooed on my face. You know, it's crazy. Would you ever get a face tattoo? Cause that's a, that's a big commitment. (sighs) Man, a face tattoo is a big commitment. I think that, I don't know. I would definitely get a neck tattoo, but a face tattoo, maybe, (laughs) maybe face tattoo. Kobe, what's the, What's the last TV show or movie you remember watching? Dude, Ozark. Last night, me and my wife finished uh, uh, season four, part one. Woo. Uh, so Ozark. Bro, have you watched it yet? Bro, let me tell you something. That has to be <sighs> the best season of Ozark. I'm not going to lie to you. That, that, because when the first one came out, it was like phenomenal. Like, it was like, oh my God. You see this comedian Jason Bateman just doing this serious role, right? And then you're like, maybe it's okay. Second one was even better, but I felt the third one was boring to me. Like it, nothing, shit didn't happen. And then, dude, go ahead. <laughs> I think so. I had the advantage of my my wife had already watched seasons one, two, and three. Okay. Uh, I like it. Was, she started watching it at some point. I was on the road. Uh, and I got back and she was already through two seasons and I was like, well, fuck, I don't want to watch it now, you know, like whatever. And then uh, back in January, she was like, Hey, season four is about to come out. And I was like, Oh hell yeah. And we had just finished watching uh, Arrested Development and I love Jason Bateman. And I was like, Hey, let's watch Ozark. Like, if you were to watch it with me, I'll watch it. And she's like, all right, bet. So we watched seasons one, two, and three in like two weeks. And, you know, so seasons one and two are incredible and season three was incredible to me, but I didn't have to like wait and then only watch season three and then just sit on that. Like, I get what you mean. It's kind of like, kind of like the, like uh, people complaining about this season of Yellowstone being too slow. Like I loved it still, but I get what people mean, but season four so far, the first part has been insane. So it's definitely making up for whatever, whatever people are worried about. See, uh, part one is insane. And if part two, let me tell you something, Cole, I am going to, 
destroy my office and my studio if season four part two is bullshit like what what like like the walking dead a lot of people are saying that the walking dead the guy's gonna wake up it's gonna be a dream if that shit's happened yeah. in the final ozark i am gonna be so mad like like Dude, i mean that would be insane they're gonna do that in walking dead apparently i, I don't watch the walking dead but apparently that's what's yeah. supposed to happen i watched the first four or five seasons and me and my wife loved it but then it just kind of like we just kind of stopped watching it yeah but that i couldn't imagine watching it from then until now and then it just being a dream that'd be fucking i mean i don't know i would hate that dude it's like when it's like uh wasting years of my life for 20 how long it's been 50 years maybe it's like when like when batista come back for like the 2016 royal rumble and won the bitch i was throwing my shit everywhere i was like this is ridiculous. Throwing a glasses and plates. I was like, this is bullshit. Just to come back. I wasted my life. <laughs> but uh, Man, it, it's always it's always funny whenever whenever old dudes come back and win stuff because it's always like, why? <laughs> like you were already badass for your time. Like now it's just which I get. You know, I get sometimes it makes sense, but whenever it's forced, it's always funny. Yeah, it's and it's all usually always forced. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, let me tell you something. I went and watched. I don't know if you're a superhero fan. But I went and watched the new Batman. How is it? Holy shit, dude! Dude, I, I love superhero movies. I just, I never, I never watch them. Like, I don't know why. It's just, I guess it's because my wife doesn't watch them, and I rarely watch movies on the road. But I, I, I want to start getting into them. I love Batman, so I'm sure I love it. It is the, and this is this is I've sat on it, and I've sat on. I wasn't gonna say this is the greatest Batman movie that's ever been made. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm I'm telling you, because for me it was 1989 Batman with Michael Keaton. That was the shit. Okay. That was me. And then the Dark Knight okay. come out, and you're like, oh my god, what are we watching? But man, this new Batman. And I, I was I was one of the haters that were hating on Robert Pattinson. I was like, this is bullshit. I don't want no Twilight motherfucker coming in here. Robert Pattinson is the Robert Pattinson Batman? is Batman. And let me tell you. Oh, holy shit is right it is fucking crazy bro it is it is ridiculous dude can, can you is it is it only in theaters right now or you think it's on like fucking amazon i may go watch that bitch later i don't know if it's on amazon i know i went and watched it in theaters i i had to like that's one thing that i i have to do i have to go watch superheroes marvel dc in the theaters the day they <laughs> the day they come out that is dope, dude. I respect it. I love going to the theaters, man. It's 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 rare that I do anymore, but when I do, I always forget how much I love going. Can you remember the last movie you saw in the theaters? The last time you went to the theaters? Yeah, I can actually, because it was it was recently. It was actually uh, I went and saw Jackass the other day. Dude, how how was Jackass? I was gonna go see it. I was gonna go see it, but I was afraid to because it's been so long since the third one. Dude, it was it was fucking incredible. It was, I mean. There's there's this one part where they went a little too far with this dude's nuts and like it almost made me sick in the theaters like I had to get up and walk out from it and I was all fucking lightheaded and almost threw up and then I fell and had to stumble my way back to the seat but there was only there was only six people in there it was me and like six of my dudes so we were all just fucking hanging out and there was two people at the very top but they weren't you know they were watching the movie but it was there was it, it was incredible I'll just say it was incredible uh, I don't like blood. And uh, there's just, it was just this tough part that if you don't like blood and you can get queasy, you may just want to close your eyes. You know, that was, that, that was another reason I didn't want to go to the theaters because like for me, a theater, I have to get popcorn. It's just, it's just this, this mindset, like I have to get it. And then my thing is 
if I go see Jackass and I know they drink like pig cum and stuff like that in this one, yeah, there's like, yeah. there's no way I'm going to hold that popcorn down. There's no way. That's, I was eating popcorn and we just poured like, it was one of those theaters that had the button you could push and the butter just came out. So we just poured like yeah. easily 16 ounces of butter into this popcorn. <laughs> And we were just sitting here eating it, and we were just vibing. I had my my Diet Coke right here just chilling, and then it happened, and I was like, oh, dude, this isn't good. And I just had to get up and walk out from it. I didn't throw up, but I thought I was going to, and it was tough. There was a couple of things I saw on TikTok that because people sneak their phones in, they record it. There was, like, one that kind of – like when you hit your shin really hard on like a like a the back of a truck or something like where Steve-O, they had the guillotine and the skateboard just comes slamming yeah. down. I was like, man, one of the funniest parts of the entire like you've got to you got to watch the whole scene of what happens to to really understand right. the full depth and funny funny behind it. But it was it was that was one of the best jackass scenes I've ever seen. Well, man, look oh, as we wind down here. Um, uh, gonna keep you about five more minutes if you're cool with that. I give you five minutes uh, extra <laughs> to get ready. Perfect, <laughs> I want to uh, do these little things that I call uh, first question, first answer. So I'm gonna say the first question that kind of pops in my head. You give me the exact answer that pops into yours. Perfect. One album to listen to for the rest of your life. Right now, it would be oh. Uh, Damn it! I'm uh, the but it's the black it's the black wedding album with the black W. I can't remember the name of it right now. Shit! Oh, I, you know I'll just go with uh, uh, the Outlaw record. Okay, the one with with Willie, yeah, yeah, and Jesse, and I'll do that one. I'll gotcha. take that one. That's, that's a heat. <laughs> okay. If you had, if let's just say, you get hit by a bus, Colby, and you're laying there okay. dying, you have three and a half minutes left, and there go. Okay, you have to sing one song. What's that one song you're going to sing? I'm going to go with Storm's Coming. It's an unreleased song by me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. going out with my – I'm going out with me. In your mind, what is the – what is your favorite movie quote of any movie? I'll be your Huckleberry. <laughs> come, on, come on, baby. I got, I got Tombstone right here. Oh, God. My favorite one, and a lot of people know this, but you don't know it, Kobe, is from Meet the Parents. You ever seen that with Ben Stiller? I, I have. There's a scene in the movie, which is my all-time favorite scene of any movie, and it's when he was talking about how a little cat, the little kitten couldn't get to the cat's nipple, and he went and he milked the cat for the little kitten, and he goes, hey, you can milk yeah. anything with nipples, and Robert De Niro goes, I have nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? Like, for me... That was just so <laughs> unexpected and the greatest scene yeah. I've ever seen in my life. And that that that's a great movie. I haven't seen that in for in for fucking ever. If I had to go a second, I would say, "Oh no, Dewey, I'm halved." From, <laughs> from, uh, from, uh, Walk Hard. <laughs> Dude. Dude, I watched Walk Hard. I've seen that movie so many times. Like it's the funniest shit. Like you go. Go away, Dewey. You don't want none of this. It makes you feel really good, and it makes you not care about anything in the world. But you don't want. It. Dude, it's 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 like our it's our band movie. Like any, like a lot of times we'll end like a month long run on the road with uh fucking, you know, watching watching Walk Hard the last night of the tour. Oh man, dude, it was a blast having you on, dude. Uh, 
we need to do this again and do it a lot longer next time because I think we we can get along a lot well. Oh, dude, absolutely, man. Let's let's definitely do it again. I, I appreciate you having me and yeah, man, taking the taking the day, brother. Well, look, if you're coming to Biloxi for the Crawfish Festival here uh, this summer, if you're free, I'd love to take you out for lunch and uh, wine you and dine you. How about that? If yeah, you're free, dude, sounds great. Sounds great, brother. Man, thanks for doing this. Uh, you've been on here for 40 minutes. You've taken way more than enough time. So go ahead and take all the time you need now to promote anything that you want to. Man, um, just go follow me on all socials. Uh, keep up with the shows. Come out to a show and uh, get ready for some new music. When is new music coming? Are you allowed to say? I can't say the exact date, but it's before before summer for sure i would say may is the latest oh so kind of pretty soon then like kind of kind of quickly oh yeah (laughs) is there any plans for an album in the near future yeah not not maybe not maybe the end of the year but maybe early 2023 but it not you know not a super long time but uh not before then well dude leading to it (laughs) Thanks, Colby, for doing this. And I, I really am a genuine fan of The Boy from Anderson County. That's this is my favorite song in a while. And I was uh, it was an honor to have it on the uh, my favorite songs of the year last year. It was an honor to have you on the show, man. Yeah, man. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me. I hope you have a, have a great day, man. Yeah, brother. You too. I'll talk to you later. Yes, sir. Appreciate it, brother. Appreciate it.